Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. It was great to hear so much feedback from people that enjoyed my conversation with Tom Beal. That's episode 210 in the archives. I know a few people have been reaching out to Tom, which was actually something that we really talked about and the hopes that this would be sort of, I don't know, a reintroduction or just an icebreaker for people to reach out to Tom or Tom to reach out to them. And I think some of that's going on. So I'm happy that people are getting to find out that Tom is still a really fun person. A lot of people remember him and had some relationships with him in the past and are getting to bring up some of those old memories with Tom uh, on their own time. So I love hearing just byproducts of people connecting just from, you know, getting a spark from listening to their story on the podcast. Again, that's in the archives, episode 210. And it's also at youtube.com slash red shirt playa. You can also keep up with the podcast on that Facebook thing at WWFNHS and on Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And I'm at Red Shirt Playa everywhere. All right, my guest this week is Paige Miller. This is one of the most fun podcasts for me just as a producer, just to get Paige, I guess, comfortable and allow some time for her schedule to breathe while still you know, keeping contact and not really giving up the goods for the podcast in normal conversation. Paige and I were talking for a few months. I reached out to Paige on LinkedIn and she responded in in a pretty like lengthy response of just like, hey, how are you? I'm listening to the podcast and just kind of starting conversation and being into doing the podcast, but just not really sure when that would be able to to happen. And so I just kept in touch with Paige over the summer and went from LinkedIn to emails to texting. And it's funny because Paige texts the exact same way that she emails. It's it's paragraph. And I love that because it was just very different. It, was, it gave me time to, I don't know, pause, think. And I think had that not happened, I wouldn't have talked to Paige as much as I've talked to her over the past few months leading up to and even after doing this interview. There's not usually so much lead time going into an interview, maybe a week or two, sometimes a few days. But in this case, we kind of had the summer to keep tabs with each other. And Paige was actually really interested in getting to know me. She said she had been listening to the podcast and felt like she kind of knew me already, but she felt that that was probably not true because we hadn't actually really talked. And so just really getting to talk to her through text and then eventually doing the show. And then after the fact, you know, we kind of kept talking. And I think we did like another hour and a half of talking the very next day because Paige felt like she just wanted to, you know, be able to ask me some questions. Um, so it was a really interesting process. And I think from, from my side, just as a producer, um, those are the things that you encounter in the real world. And not to say that it was difficult to get Paige, but it takes patience. It takes understanding. It takes time. It's cool that, that Paige on her side also had interest just in, and continues to have interest just in getting to know me and talking to me, um, really about, you know, just aspects of my life in general too, uh, like a real friendship. It's, uh, it was really, really interesting. So, um, I didn't really know much about her personal life, and I certainly didn't know anything about Paige past going to college. So I'll stop talking and get to the conversation with Paige Miller. You've listened to other episodes, so I don't write anything down. Um, I took a quick browse through the yearbook real quick because I felt like I owed it to you to do a little bit of research. (laughs) And Paige, you were the most likely to succeed. How do we have to start there? <laughs> well, I'll run it down. Okay. Uh, homecoming court. 
uh, all types of indoor track, cross country types of stuff, right? Uh, I know you, I know it's not in the yearbook, I don't think, but I know you were like a world record holder or a a state record holder. I I love that you said world record holder. That's not true, but you know, I could take it. PA, right? You were like PA state. It's about the same. Yeah, yeah. You were like the fastest girl in Pennsylvania for a time. Very short period of time, yes. Well, you know how long my period lasted? <laughs> and yeah, and you were also on our, our student council. And That's- what was, were you vice president? You know, senior year, if my memory serves me, we had a president and then three officers. I was not president. That was Steve Sanis, mm-hmm. And I was one of the officers. Okay. And then you were most likely to succeed. Sure. Okay. So we can end there. <laughs> but how are you, first and foremost? I am doing well, thank you. Overall, I'm doing well, all things considered. I feel like I always have to start with that. It's a quarantine. We're healthy. We have our jobs. We have insurance. You know, we miss our family. We're probably not going to see them for over a year, which is a really weird thing and has really hit us recently as it's already at the one-year mark with my parents. Um, So that's weird and sad, but overall, we're really doing fine. How about you? Uh, I'm all right. You know, I've been in quarantine more or less, you know, living in the house uh, for a while. So I'm working as much as I can with, with what I'm doing and then just trying to take this opportunity really to like, do more of stuff like this. You know, I've, it's funny. People were saying uh, when this happened that they felt like they needed a chance to catch up in life a little bit. They felt like right. Life was kind of like running them wild or running them tired. And I know I had like a million ideas I wanted to do and things I wanted to like move on. And I just couldn't get out of my own way to do them. And I was using just everyday life as an excuse. And now that I spend the majority of my time in the house, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you just go, well, let's use these three hours to do this, or let's do that. And let's keep learning and trying stuff. So I'm enjoying that time. I haven't learned a new foreign language or learned how to play piano. So I'm disappointed in myself for that. But otherwise, I think that's a really good perspective. And I was talking to a friend about that who has decided to really reevaluate her career and what she wants to do. And, you know, it's a really good time to do it. And I think that's a great point. It gives you time to really slow down, think about what matters, think about what you want to do. And if you're in a place where your job's affected, that's awful. And hopefully from that comes maybe something that's even better. I think, uh, you know, the thing that I think a lot about more is how like life, I think, is going to change in certain ways and things that were norms are not going to be the norms anymore. And it's, I'm like very excited about the way that, you know, work can change now. We've, we've seen how much can be done from home. Um, obviously kids are, are still at home. So childcare and stuff like that is, is an issue for people, but a lot of people are having the ability to at least stay home and do their work and stay employed. Um, and I think once people get a little bit more used to some sort of a routine with that, it won't be as crazy as it seems right now. And I think we'll learn a lot more about efficiency. Yeah, it's it's forced innovation and efficiency, right? And I think that's great. And I work for the state government, which again, we can get there later, not at all. Um, It's not the most exciting topic, but you know, it's government's not known necessarily for being particularly innovative and sometimes a little slower. And there's reasons for that, of course. And this has been really good for at least 
my workplace and forcing us to be a little bit more flexible, get with the 2020 program. And so I think that's been really nice. We didn't telework before actually at all. And now we're fully functional working just as well and in some ways better, you know, because there are fewer meetings, there are fewer interruptions, fewer people stopping by the office for that quote unquote quick question that's not really quick. And, and then you also, you know, for us having our daughter at home, you know, you, when I have five hours to work, I am laser focused in those five hours because then, you know, I may not have another opportunity for four or five more hours to get back to working. So I think that's been really good too. And yeah, I think that's a good silver lining. I mean, it's awful. It's a pandemic and it's awful. People are dying, people are sick and it's terrible. And I won't go into all of my thoughts on it. Of course, there are a lot, but, but, you know, I think it's nice to think about a couple positives that can at least come out of it. Yeah. You know, from a personal level, that's how I at least try to not drive myself crazy with worries of the future. Try and think about how, you know, there's a lot of ways that I can learn to adapt to what's happening now. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, I was thinking before we started this whole thing, I was, I was trying to think, you know, I felt like I don't know much about you other than everything I just said. Right. But I feel like, um, I guess I know you from Shady Grove. Yes. I started at Shady Grove in kindergarten. Wow. So I didn't come in until fourth grade. For me, it was like a brand new school at that point. Um, but for you, what was Shady Grove, what area was that then that you were living in? Is that like Bluebell, Whitpain? So actually, I my mailing address is Ambler. So I'm 19002 or was. And but we were right outside the borough of Ambler. So Mount Pleasant, Morris Road, that area. Yes, that yes. Is, that's where I was. So only about a mile from Shady Grove. Mm-hmm. So that's where I grew up. We moved there when I was five. So I really don't remember anything else. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and so I was Shady Grove, kindergarten through fifth grade. And Overall, from what I can remember, um, I really liked elementary school. I mean, there are a few things, of course, that I look back on and maybe weren't the best, but for the most part, I did really like it. I, one of my best friends to this day, I met in kindergarten, Chrissy Krause, now Chrissy Redner. And, you know, so we've been friends now, whatever, 30, uh, 31, 32 years, you know, and she, She was in my kindergarten class, and so she's stayed a close friend ever since. And then um, Colleen Farrell, one of my other, the two people that I still talk with um, pretty regularly, she moved to the area to Bluebell leading into third grade. Okay. And so we met, we actually met the summer before she even started and became fast best friends never looked back since. And so, you know, throughout my entire, those friends I made in my first few years, are still some of my best friends today. That's funny because that's, I do remember, like I feel like in Shady Grove, Colleen and Paige is like, you know, the duo that I kind of remember, you know, as a tandem. Um, I you say that, that's how I remember it too. Yeah, is it? Yeah, I don't know, that's so funny. Yeah, um, I honestly feel so fortunate because, you know, she is, this doesn't need to just be me gushing on about Colleen, but you know, she is just one of the greatest people I've ever met. She is, and I just feel so, fortunate that I met her so early on because that really throughout my entire middle school, high school, all those, you know, difficult years, I had just the greatest best friend. And, and then the fact that, you know, whenever I think back about anything in elementary school, middle or high school, she is right there. Like in every, every aspect, she's pretty much either she was in a class, she was, you know, at the same event or whatever it was. And yeah, 
So I'm curious because you said that you really liked elementary school. Um, so I'm curious because I don't know. I mean, I guess like if I were to think about elementary school, I would think cool. But I don't know if I have enough memory memories to like classify it as something like, you know, good or bad in the same way that I would be able to re- reflect on middle school and high school. So I'm mm-hmm. curious for you in elementary yeah. school, what what's in, in your memories there that allow you to classify it as good? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And so I think it's like I think back and I have certain positive memories that stick with me and that seem very vivid. Now they're you know, here or there and not necessarily consistent, but for one, um, I remember very clearly in fifth grade, I was in Mr. Payton's class, and we, in my class, Lauren Hilton, Rachel Moydell, and Heather Goodwin, and this is going to sound so crazy, but I was thinking about this the other day, we, every single uh, lunch, like after when we would have recess, Mm -hmm. we would go to the library instead, this sounds crazy, but we would bring all of our pens, and we would like gamble pens. I don't even, I can't describe the rules. I don't know whose idea this was. I don't have any other information, but we bring our pens and we would like do some type of gambling and then we would leave with other pens. It sounds ridiculous, but I just have, I, it's, so, it's such a positive, ridiculous memory that I have. And so I have some of those too with say like a lot, I guess recess in the library are some of my positive memories, but you know, I kickball or soccer. Like I just remember these things really positively. And then, yeah, and so I guess I, more or less is kind of what I'm thinking. And then I think also at that time, I'm kind of probably blurring it with some of the activities. I was doing travel soccer at that time. So this is like pre-track taking over my life. Um, I was really into soccer and softball. And at that time, so elementary school, I have all these positive memories of those same people on softball and soccer teams. And, and those were, you know, some of like my best memories as well. And, and so I guess that's partially why I'm thinking, oh, elementary school, you know, relatively positive. It's just some of those memories. Yeah. Life so, is simpler. Well, you mentioned Mr. Payton and he's come up a couple times in my like memory of, oh yeah, and there was a Mr. Payton, right? And everyone's like, was there? And I'm like, yeah, he ran the chicken program. Clear this up. Yeah, he did run the chicken program. You are right. Called it. Yeah. So... I talked about this with Jason and he was like, Oh yeah, the chicken program was tight. Like we had little, we had like baby chicks. Yeah, we had little baby chickens. I don't know why they trusted us with these chickens, but we definitely had them. We didn't get to take them home. Right. That's probably good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm glad I'm not like forgetting this. So it was like two male teachers. Um, I talked about this with, with, I think Kim, uh, Kim Pierce, who's her episode's going to air tomorrow, but male teachers. Had you had a male teacher prior to Mr. Payton? I cannot believe you're asking this. So actually, I, he was my first male teacher and it was a hard adjustment. So while I remember that class fondly, as far as the people in the class, I mean, there are a couple of funny things that David Dim and Mike Mitchell were in that class. And this is, I remember them getting like on the ground and like mimicking a chicken and calling me chicken legs. That was a thing that happened a lot. And my mom was like, oh, that's what boys do when they like you. I was like, doesn't seem like they like me. But anyway, so there were some things like that. Now it's kind of funny, I guess. But anyway, he was my first male teacher. And, you know, I wasn't aware enough at the time to realize that's why I didn't necessarily like him at first. It took me a while to warm, but I had all female teachers before then. Mm. So, yeah, he was my first one. Yeah, I didn't have one until sixth grade. 
So, mm-hmm. and that was like a, I think a hard adjust, adjustment to deal with someone. I think just naturally for me as like, uh, like a loud mouth, I feared men more, you know, okay. I feared disciplinary action from men more. Uh, so yeah. I think it was, it was a hard like learning period of, you know, limits that I felt like with female teachers I could push and they would be a little nicer. Yes. I can absolutely see that. That is 100% happening with my daughter now. So <laughs> we, it's such gender roles, so stereotypical how it's turned out. Anyway, not to digress, but yes, uh, it is. Yeah, it's just, it's just different. And once we got to middle school, there were, you know, plenty of male teachers. So I don't think I really thought about it again after that. But I just, I do remember that specifically being a challenge at first. Yeah. Did, uh, did Chrissy and Colleen live in your neighborhood? No, Colleen lived pretty close. She lived on the other side of Shady Grove, so it was you know a couple minute drive. And then Chrissy lived maybe five or seven minutes away. But yeah, I didn't really have any friends in the neighborhood growing up. There weren't a lot of kids my age. Karen McCormick lived in my neighborhood, and we were always friendly. Um, not, I can't remember anyone else. Okay. Did um, so if I'm offending someone? <laughs> Well, then what would you do? Like, you know, for me growing up, it was like my friends all were the neighborhood kids. And we all went to, you know, Wizzahickon in some grade or another. Um, but it was riding bikes or roller skating or playing in the park or whatever. For you, what was like, you mentioned that you were getting really heavy into sports. Was that your recreational time? Yeah, we, my family was really into sports. And so I have, I have an older sister and two younger brothers my older sister was not as much into sports, but my younger brothers were. So we, and they had a bunch of friends in the neighborhood. There were a lot more kids their age. So I would play with them if we were doing neighborhood things. And I, and in fact, I was thinking about this the other day too, that I, in terms of my interaction with kids in the neighborhood, I started babysitting kids in the neighborhood when I was 10. That was fifth grade. I mean, imagine that. I knew nothing. But anyway, so I knew a lot of kids in the neighborhood and I was, whether I was babysitting or playing with them, and mostly I was babysitting slash playing with them. So there was some of that, but a lot of it too was coordinating, you know, play dates with your friends. So your parents would go drop you off and, or vice versa, that sort of thing. What kind of stuff were you doing as a kid? What were you, what were you into? I, well, I remember a lot of sports. Um, Certainly in the summer, of course, anyone, Colleen had a pool, so we would be, you know, swimming if we could. Um, Yeah, a lot of sports, games like capture the flag, a lot of things outside. And you know, when we were, I'm trying to think of what we would do inside. We, it's hard to remember in elementary school. I think we did a lot of like playing house, things like that. And in fact, um, when I met Colleen, we have this funny, like when we met story that is like far better than how either of us met our husbands. And we, I was, I was actually in her neighborhood at another friend's house who lived down the street, Stephanie Hershey. She ended up going to maybe Mount or Gwen and Mercy. But anyway, I was at Stephanie's house and playing with her and Colleen lived down the street, just walked on over and we started playing house. Colleen's uh, sister was there. We made her our pet dog and she like totally went with that, which is funny. Anyway, and that was when we just completely bonded. We became, we, in our playhouse, we pretended we were twins. And then from then on, it just kind of stuck. But anyway, yeah, I think things like that, I guess, make believe. Yeah. Sports. Sports, yeah. Um, you said you were into softball and soccer. soccer. Um, I, was really, I was really into them through 
middle school, I continued soccer and I think softball, at least whatever the WRA association, I played softball pretty much up until around the time of high school. Did you consider yourself, you know, you eventually became a pretty heavy athlete in high school at that time. At any point, did you think of yourself, you know, as like an athlete? When, we talk, when I talked to Jess Davis, you know, her family, um, her, her brother was a runner um, or track and field. And so she was kind of like into it and the training hadn't really started yet. And she wasn't even that good. You know, it hadn't really hit her. Were, were you noticing any type of athletic skill? You know, that's a good question. I think I was okay, maybe athletically inclined to some degree. I, it's hard to say sometimes because, you know, once I started doing running and that was like a hundred percent of the time that almost makes you like less athletic. So now like thinking about like kicking a soccer ball is kind of funny, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think I was, I was good enough. I did travel soccer, but I wasn't the best. I was like, you know, I was right wing. So mattered but it didn't matter the most you know so I think it was there and same thing like softball I loved it but I think you know it's not like I was the person hitting home runs or striking everyone out but I was like a decent player on the team and like contributed kind of at that level I would say when you, when you got to middle school um you've got these two friends and and I'm sure you had a few others from elementary school did your group you know pods or are I don't know if this happens in other middle schools, but the pod thing is such a weird, you know, construct where you can be completely separated from everybody you actually know. Once you get to sixth grade, are you in with friends or? Yeah, so that's a great point. I don't know if other middle schools have this pod system. Mm. No. So actually I was in B pod and if you don't know anyone in B pod, it's because it, it was just, we, it was just a different pod. I, so I was in B pod. I think most of my friends were in A pod and C pod. Also you got the other two pods. Mm -hmm. And, and so I don't think there was anyone in my class at the time. I had Miss Gross. I remember that, um, that I knew from Shady Grove. Now there may have been people from Shady Grove, but in terms of people I was comfortable with mm -hmm. or friendly with, I don't remember. I, Melissa Morgatan was in my class. She was from Bluebell. And we hit it off. Um, and so she was, you know, we, we didn't stay close after that. We've always been friendly, but she, she was in my class and I really can't remember anyone else, but I think, because I think through sports, I'm most likely the friends that I had, especially from like fifth grade, I think through sports, so Lauren Helton was someone I was really close with all through middle school, really into like the middle of ninth grade was one of my best friends and she was always on the sport, uh, especially softball. She's a total softball, softball star. So I think through those sports, I stayed connected. And at that point I was already so close with certain people like Colleen and Chrissy, they were like sisters. I mean, I, I view both of them as sisters, like their families. I know like everything about their families and they're just like, I've spent weeks at their, you know, at their house, whether to the short things like that. But those are the people that I think regardless, I feel really fortunate that, that they stayed close friends even when I wasn't in their pod, but it definitely introduced a bunch of new people. Um, and then, you know, they made new friends and then they became, you know, by association, my friends, more or less, that sort of thing. But that was, sixth grade was, I think sixth grade was interesting. Our pod was very, I remember they did lots of homework. Um, it was kind of a, known to be a harder pod maybe. And, and maybe that set, that helped and kind of set the, the bar. I, I just remember I'd get home from school or, 
whatever I had going on after school. And then it'd be like four or five hours of work. Um, and my mom was, she had seen my sister who had been in C-Pod, not, had none of that. I was like, mm-hmm. is everything okay in this pod? Like, what's going on? But uh, I do think that there was that reputation and I think it's probably somewhat accurate, maybe. Uh, you have how many siblings? So I have three. Wow, okay. Yep, Older? big family. My sister is almost two years older, but she was just the grade above, just kind of where her birthdays fell. And then I have two younger brothers. Um, one, it was like when we were seniors, he was a freshman, so three grades behind. And the other one was five years younger, and so he was never in the same school. Yeah, good him. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like my best friends now, but I forget. <laughs> you said that sixth grade was like was hard or heavy workload. Yes. Seventh, eighth grade still are you on that trajectory are you doing like like leslie talked about enrichment are you in anything like that or is is like that workload setting you up because you obviously became a pretty good student um through high school right well thank you um i did study a lot and do i i took academics very seriously yeah you know i think from a really early age even before sixth grade for whatever reason i was um I was really uh, focused on especially getting A's and studying and, and from pretty early age, I would say, and my parents really never put any pressure on me, actually. They would say, you know, time to go to bed, like time to stop working. Uh, I mean, part of the reason I was working late would be, you know, also spending time talking on the phone and then doing three hours of work after. But anyway, you know, they never really put pressure, but I, I just always really cared a lot to the point where, you know, it was like if I were to not have done well on a test or if I didn't get a good grade, that would really, it would be really hard for me. And I would, it would really struggle with that. And so I think that started earlier, but sixth grade definitely set up some really good study habits. Absolutely. And then from then it was, I, maybe that's at the bar, but I, from then on, it just, you know, I would never have dreamed of not doing a homework assignment or not studying or not reading a book or anything. I was just very, um, I was very intense about that. Well, I guess I'm wondering, were you like set up in a position to excel? You know, like I've heard, and we don't know this, right? And you weren't in pods with your friends. And so, of course, a lot a lot of your friends were pretty academically successful themselves. So it's hard to imagine that you guys would be split up that differently because your pod was, you know, for smarter kids or something. Oh, like no, that. I don't think it was for smarter kids. I think Wait. they were all random, all the pods. I think that just so happened that we had some... Oh, if I implied that, I didn't mean to. We no, 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 no. Our teachers, uh, or or more, just giving a lot of homework. That's all I really remember. Is that no, that I, really- no. What I'm wondering is like, once you're in that, once you're handling that workload, and you're a pretty dedicated student, and um, you even mentioned you you said you like school. And when I asked you that originally, I was wondering if you meant, you know, when I think people talk about liking school, it's more like how do people treat me. Um, did oh. I get along with people? And I got the sense that you liked, yes. not liked classwork, but you didn't mind it and you liked, you know, doing well. That's kind of the sense that I got. Yeah, that's very, okay. So that makes sense. I, that's spot on. So I, at this point, now that I'm like far enough removed, I feel like it's fine to say it's probably pretty nerdy, but I, I did love school. I, for the most part, of course there were classes that were hard, but like I, I enjoyed that. I mean, in English class, I would like love the books that we would get. And I don't know if that's all that common, but I did really enjoy it. I mean, and then even going on past, you know, after high school and beyond, I mean, I spent much of my twenties still, still pursuing education. So I guess I didn't, 
I liked it a fair amount. Um, yeah, so I guess that is true. And I don't really know where that came from, but it's pretty well, accurate. And and I guess then what I'm what I'm trying to find out is did the school help harness that for you? Like did they did they take you and put you on programs or on paths that you or your parents are aware of that you're saying, okay, like we're gonna put you into this upper level or move you out into this group or did that start happening for you in middle school? Yeah, so I think that started in seventh grade. And yeah, so to answer your question, I do think the school does, I mean, I think Wissican obviously is it's a great school and provides the opportunity for great ed education. Um, I think starting around seventh grade is where I felt, and maybe even before then, it's hard to remember in elementary school, that part of it. Yeah. Um, but I remember in seventh grade in particular, then especially with like math, um, they started to have, you, could, you know, the opportunity to start taking some more advanced math pretty early on. And when I've talked to people that, you know, from other schools, they didn't necessarily have that opportunity um, early on, like starting in seventh grade, they started offering algebra, which is pretty advanced to offer in a middle school setting. Because then that, that, and so I think that, yes, I think that then can set you up for success, especially during those years. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take algebra until ninth grade. So. Right. And that's this. And then, so that's the standard, I think. And I think some schools, they, they just would, you know, students would be on that track and, and that would be that. So I think our school did a really nice job with that. And then also having the different tracks. I mean, I'm sure other schools do too, but you know, I think, I think they do a good job um, of providing different opportunities based on what, you know, your interests and, and your level and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you into, I mean, I know that you did, um, sports, but were you into any other extracurricular activities growing up, like through middle school as a kid? Like, did you do band or, you know, chorus or anything like that? Oh, this is funny. Um, I, okay, a couple things. Well, chorus, I think I was, I don't think they technically can kick you out if you're behaving in, in chorus, but I'm pretty sure it was like right below that is what happened to me. Somehow I was taking like study hall and not course. And I was like, when did this happen? So I was such, so terrible in course. And, but I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't enjoy it. I can't really remember. I just know that pretty early on, I was no longer in course and I was in study hall. So I, I don't know if I chose that or if they kind of said, you know, why don't you just go study over here and like get out of the way. So no, I wasn't too involved in course. Um, band, <laughs> band. Um, okay. I actually always wanted to play an instrument. I don't, there's no indication of any musical talent whatsoever, but I always wanted to play an instrument. And I think it was, I mean, it might've been sixth grade where maybe earlier the violin was introduced as an option. You know, someone would come into class and uh, share it with you. And I went home and told my parents, oh, I really want to do the violin. And they were like, you know, um, let's just stick with the school and the sports. Like, this isn't your thing. Um, and then another time it was the trumpet. For some reason, I got this in my head that I just really wanted to play the trumpet. And again, brought that home and asked my parents, and like, you know, you've got a lot of other things going on. I'm feeling like, you know, maybe that's the direction you should, you should stay, stay on. So I never did anything related to music, but now it's funny because of that. And I don't mean anything. I understand where my parents are coming from. I'm sure like I had zero talent and they knew that from the start, but because now I have a daughter and I have like little guitars for her and the xylophone. I have like all the instruments and like the school music section and just really try. I'm like, I don't care if you're terrible. Like, and what's, who's to judge? I don't care whatsoever. Just like hear all the instruments and let's see what happens. I played violin for like one year uh, in third grade. I never practiced. I, 
And then you'd show up for the recitals and just try to blend in with the nine different versions of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star that you were supposed oh. to learn. And then the next year, I think when we got to Shady Grove, I remember we like went to, we went to like band class and I was like, I think I play violin. And they're like, you're not on the list. And I'm like, Hey mom, dad, am I not doing violin anymore? And they're like, yeah, you're, you're yeah. done with that. <laughs> that is so funny. That is so funny. So as far as other extracurriculars, you know, other than sports, I can't remember anything too formal that's coming to mind. I was always, one of the things I would do, you know, when I was on my own, I loved all of those books growing up, like Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley, High Sweet Valley Trust. I, when you I said all of those series, Boxcar Children, they're all these series, Nancy Drew, all of those. And so that was a big, and that to this day that, you know, fiction and novels, it's one of my hobbies. But um, yeah, I think that was another, that's the one thing I can remember growing up. When you said that you were you were babysitting at 10 years old, that's what I thought of was Babysitter's Club. Yes. So my sister and I, we did come together. She also babysat too. And so we like kind of fancied ourselves as like our own little babysitter's club. If you call, there are two people that you could get, you know. <laughs> so that's where we found our common ground. <laughs> was it a lucrative business? You know, okay, so we did end up somehow. There was this family, I'm not giving any names, and this was in high school that would come to pick us up in a limo. Yeah, it's the only time, I, don't, I, I can't remember being in a limo too many other times after that. Um, yes, they, this one family, my sister somehow had some friends or who knows, a couple connections, two families that, um, yeah, they, wow. it was, it was, it could, it was fairly lucrative at that time. I mean, given the options, I, you know, I also worked at, um, I mostly worked in restaurants. And I worked at Normandy Farms at one point. I think that was right when I turned 15. And I think we would get like 6.30 something an hour maybe. So I think babysitting could do, you could do a little better. That's pretty good. My, uh, my first job was at McDonald's for minimum wage, which was 5.15. And okay. the whole reason I went, to, I went to Wawa was because they started you at $6 an hour. Okay, yes. I was like, oh my God. And then like I made $6 an hour for like a year and a half. Yeah. 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 The, that my first official job where, you know, I actually got a paycheck, um, was Normandy Farms estate in their dining room. And that's where I learned to carry a tray and all that fun stuff. Um, and I do recall it was like six, I feel like six twenty four or six thirty something an hour, which I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. And that's where <laughs> everyone worked. Like when they were, were you 15 when you were doing that? Yeah. That was that's when I was 15. Yeah, everyone had to work either as like um, like a bagger at the supermarket or yeah. or in like retirement community in the dining hall or something like that. I once had an opportunity to work at Artman and um, I passed because I didn't want to take a TB test. Okay. I'm afraid of needles. So I, I was there yeah. like, we're going to stick this thing and then it's going to like blow up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> my no. tetanus, my tet, I was like, my arm got infected when I got a tetanus shot. I wasn't going to get a TB one. No, I understand. That's a good reason. Um, for middle school, uh, you were in, not in your friend's pod, but as you're now for socially, were you like now starting to, or did you just know enough people that it didn't matter what pod you were going into, but were you like be able to establish kind of like best friends in the pods that you were in, or were you with, you know, the ones you had kind of already established from life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think as far as the best friends, it would, the ones that I had had from before, but then whatever pod I was in, and it's, God, I was trying to remember what pods 
it's in seventh and eighth grade. Um, I'm not positive, but I think then, of course, like within whatever classes or pod, then you form other good friends. And then and I think in middle school too, when I think back, there was such a massive group of people who were like loosely connected and friends. Talk about it. <laughs> and that's, that's what I remember from middle school. I'm kind of carried through to high school to some degree, but it kind of splintered off more, I would say, at least that's how I remember it. Um, so I think in that sense, just given the massive number of people that were kind of in this large group, uh, you, there's going to be someone in, in your pod from, from that group and you would just kind of be friendly with your friends. You're the first person to like voluntarily describe it as that. I think when I talk to other people, you know, that, that were in the popular crowd, so to speak, which I think that you would be in. Um, sure. What's that? So if you broadly define it, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, it would be like, you know, I, we were friends with like, you know, we were friends with this person and we were friends with this person or like if this person was doing something, we would go over to that person's house. And then I would, I would like kind of draw attention. So you, you realize you just named like 13 different people, you know, that may or that were kind of like friends for like the moment or friends because those were the classes that you had or because you guys like the party the same way or because they, their friends lived in your neighborhood or like, and I did feel like it was like a very large group of like a roulette wheel of friendships that. I viewed it that way too. I, I, that's how I viewed it. Whether, I mean, you look back and you think, Oh, I hope we were you know inclusive and all those things, but that's more or less when I look back, that's how I remember it in middle school. Did you, um, you know, we've talked a lot with other people about, um, how advanced we felt like middle school was. And I think most people have said to some degree, you know, especially Tom Scuderi talked about feeling like he was younger um, and not feeling peer pressure, but feeling like he was kind of doing stuff a little bit to like, you know, be in the group and, um, and other people felt like it was just very advanced. Did you, you know, being in that world, um, did you feel like it was advanced you know, socially, I don't know, sexually, party, drug-wise, when you're like 13, 14? Yes. And, you know, I, I do think so. Um, and then especially once I left high school and in college and having conversations about our experience, I realized, like, mine was pretty different than most people that I then was, you know, becoming friends with in college, actually, and, and kind of when it started. So, I would say yes, and some of the things even in middle school with there wasn't a lot of drinking, but there were some opportunities even for drinking and starting to smoke some in middle school, which is pretty early. But that wasn't, you know, there's still most of my times I remember being like Lauren Helms and jumping on the trampoline. Like that was still the majority of the time where, where activities like that. But definitely I feel there were it was advanced to some degree. But you know, for me uh, in middle school. I always felt, maybe I felt like Tom Scuderi. I just, I felt pretty naive. And also, um, <laughs> I, I, re I really didn't get any attention from boys in middle school. I mean, a little bit sixth grade. I remember a couple like joking, like two day long relationship things going out or whatever. But really in seventh and eighth grade, I don't think I like really was attracting much attention at all. And it's really dating anyone. And so I didn't have any, like I, I didn't kiss anyone at all in middle school. It wasn't until high school that just kind of explains where it shows where I was with it. Um, yeah. And in fact, I was, you know, I think I was a little late to develop too in, in different ways, but I, I remember, yeah, I remember in sixth grade and I don't know how they'll feel with me sharing this. Um, 
but I remember my nickname in sixth grade and I think it carried over till seventh grade was like the wall for being so flat and like not developed. And so again, yeah, chicken legs, the wall, these are wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I mean, I'm okay there. It could be far worse, but anyway, so that's kind of like just saying like, that's where I was, <laughs> was not getting a lot of attention. <laughs> um, obviously when you're in like a cool crowd, right. Or it, where people are, that's guys and girls are hanging out together, um, socially at times and, and, was it, I don't know, was it off-putting um, to be like in that group and see people that you are friends with that are, you know, having relationships with guys at that young age and you're not really getting that attention is, you know, for me looking from afar, I think, and, and I think most people, when they look at like the cool kid crowd, the benefits of, right, like being able to date or just see pretty girls or cute guys, um, you're in the group, but you're not getting that specific benefit. Is that off-putting? Yeah, you know, probably. I I think my the people that I was close friends with were somewhat similar, though. So, you know, kind of, again, going back to this kind of massive group, but then there were pockets within it and people that you were close with, the ones you were calling after school and seeing every Friday and Saturday night. And I think for, you know, for the most part, those people that I was really close with were kind of, maybe a little bit more similar to me, or also I was pretty naive. And so I don't know if I was even that interested in boys at that time. Yeah. So while I'm sure I recognize it, I mean, everyone wants, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but you, know, you want to get attention. I would, or many people do. And, and I wasn't, so I'm sure I recognize that, but I also don't know how interested I was. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's, you know, that was kind of, I felt like my world that none of my friends, it wasn't like something that we would talk about girls, but no one was dating. So that wasn't like a, you know, that was as out there as, you know, driving a car. I don't know, you know, eventually when we start doing it, that'll happen, I guess, but it wasn't like a thing that we were moving forward or trying to do or in the space to do. And Mm -hmm. I've said many times, I don't think that I was mature enough or, or, even though I would talk about it, I think I talked about it because it was all around me, the neighborhood, TV, friends, um, you know, it was, especially as you're hitting puberty, but mentally I wasn't ready to like date girls or, you know, do any of the things that a lot of those groups were doing. Well, when I even look back, funny you say that, when I look back at high school and even some of the you know, relationships or antics, I, I don't think I was necessarily ready. I think just because if you're you're doing it at a certain age doesn't necessarily mean that you're mature, really ready. It's anyway. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So then when you get to um, when you start moving on to to high school, um, I feel like man, for you, like were you already doing track in in middle school? Yes, I started track in seventh grade. Were you getting good at track at that point? <sighs> Yes. Like I, you know, it's hard to say that. Um, but yes, I think in, it was clear to me in seventh grade when I started doing track and I was doing the mile, I think half mile, a mile, it was clear to me that that was my strongest sport and that, okay, you, there might be something here and you know, parents or coaches are telling you that too. Like if you keep up with this, I remember in middle school, I think it was um, Mr. Landis may have been the coach uh, for track. And I don't know if he was boys and girls, but he was one of the coaches. And I think he had said, you know, you can get a scholarship to college to do this. Like the seed was planted really early in middle school. And so that was always on my mind um, as a possibility. And if someone says that, and 
you know, and it's an adult, well, I may know something, so I'm going to keep at this. So then when I transitioned to high school, um, I, soccer for us was in the spring anyway, as was track, but I, so in the fall, there wasn't another obvious sport for me to do. So then I was like, well, let me try cross country. This seems like it could make sense. Um, and so I joined cross country going into high school and with, uh, the fall sports, you have preseason start that summer before. And so you have a couple weeks, can't remember exactly how long you have a couple weeks preseason where you're meeting some upperclassmen and other people. And for cross country, we do this, or we did this. I have no idea if they still do it. Um, this overnight trip and it's maybe three nights overnight and, you know, three three runs a day or whatever it is, but you know, it's lots of time hanging out and sharing bumps with people. Um, and, and I think that was a really good way to meet people too, just going into high school, like people that were in other grades that kind of show you what's going on. And Colleen, I somehow talked her into doing cross country. I mean, she's obviously like a total soccer star, but she didn't have a sport to do in the fall either. And I was like, hey, how about this cross country thing? It seems fun. Um, I mean, it's like, sounds like the opposite of fun to most people, but I talked her into it. And so she was there with me, which of course was great. And she only did it that one year, but um, that was still helpful to have her on the team. And so I think that helped with the transition into high school, having that even before we started. Were you, you mentioned with Colleen and yourself, like you didn't have a fall thing. Um, was it par- was it paramount or imperative or maybe those words mean the same thing to, to <laughs> fill up your card with stuff? And if so, what was the reasoning? It's so funny. I never thought about it that way, but yes, I guess it wasn't, it was like, well, obviously I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to do a sport because I always had, whether it was, you know, um, whether it was soccer and softball or whatever it was, if there was always something even leading into high school. And so I think it was just clear that I had to do an after school activity or an after school sport that did not come from my parents at all. I don't remember. I really don't remember them putting, I think people have asked before, like, just kind of give them my personality. Like, do your parents put a lot of pressure on you? Like, really? No, I don't think so. I think they more or less like told me a thousand times to relax, take a breath, like go to sleep. Um, so I don't think they put that on me. I just, I guess I just, it was just like, this is obviously what I'm going to be doing. Cause you also worked, you had a job. Yeah. So most kids would say like, I work after school. Like, yeah, I work after school. I work a little bit on the weekends. Like that's, that's what I'm doing. And they're done. Like you're doing that. I'm assuming you weren't working after school then. No, I worked only on weekends. So like Friday, depending or Saturday, just depend on the sport I was in and what I was doing and when they had competitions. But I didn't work during the week and I really didn't babysit much during the week either because by the time you would get back from practice and you would have, it would be about six o'clock. Yeah. But you really were like, you know, kind of filling out a well-rounded kid's schedule. Um, yeah. No, I don't think I, it's funny. I didn't think about it that way, but you know, I, I am always, you know, I, I guess I do like to be busy and I, I didn't really, it didn't seem like a lot at the time. When I look back even in high school, gosh, I remember we would have cross country races on Saturdays they were always Saturday morning. And then if my mom or dad, whoever came to watch, I would be in the in their minivan on the way back getting changed to get into my outfit. They would drop me off at I worked at Blue Bell or Broad X, depending on the year. Like didn't even go home. I mean, didn't sh- that sounds disgusting. I'm like, sorry, I didn't shower, I guess. I just remember changing into my uniform like in the car after a cross-country meet because you didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, I just didn't know any anything else. So it just seemed normal. Yeah. Um and again, you wanted to do it much like, you know, you liking school, 
Um, what do your parents do? What did your parents so my, do? My, my dad is an accountant, so he is a CPA. Um, and my mom, my mom stayed at home with us. Wow. And so, I don't know, did you ever watch your dad like during tax season, like just have to work, you know, nine day weeks and, and 29 hour days? And you, know, you must know a tax attorney because that is exactly the schedule from like January 15th until April 15th. This year it was crazy. It was like all the way through July 15th. Yeah. But anyway, normally for those, you know, that set period of time, it's, it's madness, especially, you know, and as he's getting older, I mean, he's still doing great, but just seeing him work those hours is hard. But then, you know, yeah, it was very intense. I guess, you know, I did see that. Um, perhaps that influenced me to some degree. I'm not sure. Let me ask you this. Are you, are you conscious of like anyone that you looked up to growing up? Good question. I, you know, I, I always, I don't know if they're, I would say a specific person. I remember there were certain people I babysat for where, you know, the mom was an attorney or had some powerful career. And I would look at that and think, yeah, I want to do something like that. Like I want a career. I always knew, I didn't know what it was, but I knew from early on, like I want a career is what I thought. And I want to be a career person. And like I, for a while, I always thought, you know, I don't think I even want to get married. I don't think I want to have kids. Like I just want to be career person, put that first, just do what I want to do. And that was even a lot of my 20s, really, that mindset that I had. Um, were you into like, did you have time for like, I don't know, TV, music, kid stuff at, at that point? Or was it like, was it shared while you're riding the bus to a, to a meet? Or, you know, were you like going home and getting a chance to watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or, you know? <laughs> so... Yes, there was time. So I, there are a few shows that I mean, probably it's so basic, what everyone says, but of course, Saved by the Bell, loved Saved by the Bell. And I found time, Bayside, there you go. I found time. I, I think I'm sure I've watched, I watched every episode of Saved by the Bell. And then the other one, which my parents did not want us watching. And again, another thing that brought my sister and uh, me together was 90210, loved 90210. We would sneak into, my parents had a second TV in their bedroom, and so we would sneak into their bedroom to watch it. You know, we're upstairs, thinking we're doing homework or whatever, and then on the remote, there was this little button. I remember, and you could flip between stations really quickly, yes. so they were coming in, we would go back to whatever they would think would be acceptable, I guess. Um, so those were the two shows that I remember, I think, in high school. So yeah, I still watch those, I found the time. <laughs> So in high school, then that was like Valerie Malone era of 90210. That was spicy stuff, Paige. It was spicy. I can understand why my parents didn't want us watching that. I love, love, love 90210. The next podcast I want to do is a recap of 90210, episode by episode. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good, Dylan. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> was, your, was Dylan your favorite? I think so. Like, I have to admit, yes. So I've said this a few times, right? Like I, that's, that was my reference for like high school and, and college and it was Saved by the Bell and, and 90210. For you, did you have, I mean, you were in the cool crowd and I would often say that I felt like when we talk about like how advanced um, our school was, like I always felt it mimicked what I was seeing, what, what I heard about, the rumors I would hear mimicked what I would see on 90210, you know, so-and-so with this person or so-and-so was at this party or these two got in a fight or these guys were drinking or these guys were, were doing these drugs or, you know, this person cheated on that person. For you, was there any, like, I don't know, 
I haven't talked to anyone that that's watched 90210 yet. So I'm curious for someone that was in the cool crowd and, and is aware that like everyone was kind of interconnected like that. Was there any re- comparison for you? Hmm. At the time, I don't know if I was really self-aware enough to be thinking about it in that way, but now that you talk about it and after I can, I can see perhaps there had been some influence, maybe subconsciously, but not really. I, I can't say that I looked at 90210 and really compared to my own experience. You know, at that time, when I think back to high school, I was so focused on like what I was doing in my own small world and, you know, achieving this and the next step and where am I going next? And, and you're not really thinking ahead and not really, as far as, or really drawing parallels or comparisons. I think I was just really focused on what I was doing. I mean, one would say that's, that's Andrea Zuckerman. I would say, you know, it's funny because all of different shows, I'm always compared to the person that like I didn't like, but I think I didn't like them because I like saw myself in them. Like Jesse Spano, I was like, God, why am I Jesse Spano? You know, and I, I wanted to be Kelly, but like I wasn't Kelly, you know? Yeah, that's where that's kind of, and then like every show ever, even friends afterwards, like you kind of have some Monica in you. I'm like, no, I want to be Phoebe, but yeah, anyway. So it's funny you say the Jesse Spano because I was going to ask, did did the pressure ever become too much? You said your parents had to tell you to go to bed. Um, were you ever trying to stay up? Um, they were taking caffeine pills. <laughs> yes. How excited <laughs> were you? <laughs> so, uh, there was this one time. No, not really. I can't. Uh, it's hard to say. I'm trying to think back. You know, as, you know, as you're like preparing, you know, you, I think you, you knew that you wanted to do some pretty big things and, you know, just, I, I guess, yeah, did it get, was it hard to push through at times? Was it, you know? Right. That's a good question. And I think at times possibly, but I feel like things were in high school, it was still manageable because at the high school level, like even with track and cross country, um, you know, on your, it, it's not, things aren't as competitive as like at that next level in college. And so at the time it was, it, I don't think it was too bad. It still felt like, okay, I got this. It's okay. I didn't, I don't think it ever felt too much, but then, you know, if I asked my mom, maybe she would have some story of a time where it was, I, I mean, there were, I know there were a couple times like before finals where, you know, I would, I would be staying up till midnight, one o'clock studying, cramming and, and you know, that's, and especially given when we have to wake up and I'm sure it was very, it was stressful at the time, but there isn't anything too much from high school. It's more like later college and grad school where I have these like, oh, we try to forget about that period of time. And maybe that is, you know, kind of why I can't really think of high school too much because those later times where it was like that much more intense. And when I look in comparison, I'm like, oh no, in comparison, high school was totally fine. Way more uh, dramatic. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. You mentioned like waking up early. Um, Susie talked about this a little bit. I'm curious, like from a girl perspective, you know, what's, what was like the get ready um, and like how important was looks and fashion, you know, from your perspective? All right. Well, you, since you went through the yearbook, you probably saw my beautifully scrunched hair with like a quarter pound of Deb gel or whatever the heck I was using. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that takes time. That takes time. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was worthwhile to do, but I would wake up at quarter to six every day. Granted we, I, 
different, you know, the different reasons we had four kids in one bathroom. So there were like time slots, right? Um, and you had to adhere to them or you didn't get to use it. So that, that also was part of it. But anyway, my time slot, I guess, was like quarter to six. I remember waking up then, you know, and shower, wash the hair, do the whole, all the gel, get it all scrunched and crispy, I guess, this look. Um, and yeah, and you know, I know obviously makeup too. I think I went through like a white eyeliner phase maybe. Ooh. Which is interesting. I don't. Maybe maybe that's coming back, or maybe it has. Gotta bring it back. I don't really know, but it wasn't a great look. But I I definitely wore the look, and so there was that. Um, so I I think the fashion thing was tough because I really didn't never had a great sense of fashion, and other people. Oh, how do they? Brooke, I remember always had like the best clothes, and everything always just looked great. And here I was in my like black shirt and jeans, which is like still what I wear today, <laughs> all the time. But yeah, so it mattered. I just never really, it wasn't like a passion of mine because I didn't really like have a good fashion sense, I guess I would say. Mm. Um, so I wasn't a big shopper either. When did you start getting, you said high school, you started getting guy attention? I think so. Um, it's funny because that's also when I learned to scrunch my hair. So maybe there was something to that. It was actually cross country camp. I know. Like, okay, maybe that's why I did it. But Cross-country camp leading into, before we even started high school, I remember this. There were two girls, Kelly Maines and mm-hmm. Mary, I can't remember her last name. Um, anyway, and I just had kind of big, kind of froey, a little bit like frizzy, froey hair. Like it had, I guess they saw potential in it, but I had no idea what to do. And so they were like, all right, like, let me get you a little bit of gel and a towel, teach you how to scrunch, here's the hair dryer. And they kind of like did this at cross-country camp for me. They kind of took me under their wings. It was really kind. I don't know if I've ever thanked them, but... Then I look at the pictures, I'm like, no, should I get them? But anyway, maybe that helped. Um, so yeah, that, so I think, anyway, okay, I digress. But yeah, I think starting freshman year, I did start to get more attention. Um, and I know, especially fresh, freshman and sophomore year, the, there was a group of guys that were two years above us. So juniors when we were freshmen. Um, and we would hang out with them and they had cars, which was nice, of course. I and mean, it's such a, such a cliche, right? But it's so true. Oh, you have a car, you can take us somewhere? That sounds good. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of the first couple of years of, of high school. Did you date throughout high school? Yeah, so it's funny. I, I think I had a lot of like two-week relationships. I don't know what you'd want to do air quotes around relationships. I think I enjoyed... I think I enjoyed kind of the, I don't know if you call it the chase or what, but like seeing someone's interested in me, checking this out. But I I just, I don't think I was mature enough or really ready for any type of serious relationship. So there were a lot of like couple weeks of, I think the term would be like going out or something, which what did that really mean? What did we really do? I don't know. But um, there was, there was that I would say. And then really the only longer term relationship was with Eric Malhorn. I would say from in high school that was kind of on and off for years <laughs> during that time. And you guys were homecoming court, right? That's what I, I think I saw, right? Homecoming court together. Yeah. Yes, we were homecoming court. And I think by my senior year, we were maybe about halfway through the year, then we were pretty solid. I mean, it was a very up and down, going out now, not you know, lots of that going on. Um, but by about, you know, middle of my senior year, I think we were pretty, I think we were pretty committed at that point, maybe for until, right until we left for college. So, you know, Eric was pretty, was pretty popular. Um, yeah, he's the reason that like a lot of, okay, there are probably other reasons. Maybe I am a little bit obnoxious at times, but I feel like 
And I had said this to him a while ago. I'm like, I think you're the reason that like 20 people really dislike me because <laughs> like you just see, uh, I mean, I'm sure like I said, there are other reasons I don't mean to just blame him, but there were definitely, you know, he got a lot of attention. Mean, he got a lot of attention from girls. He's this kind of magnetic person, the life of every party, charismatic, all those things, obviously attractive and, you know, good athlete, all those qualities um, get you far in high school. And, and so, yeah, he got a lot of attention and he's a big flirt. I mean, I can be too, I know, especially looking back at high school. So that's not enough at all, but yeah, you know, got a lot of attention. And I think that, you know, that caused some tension between, um, between girls naturally. Well, that's the 90210 aspect of it. Right? Okay, so that is exactly the 90210 aspect. Yeah, yeah, these magnetic, these like kind of like larger than life personalities yeah. in like a very small space of, you know, 300 and some kids that we've all known each other for years. And like Eric's on the football team and Paige is like this top track star. And although, wait, track star and cross country star, like don't really care. Sorry, like, sorry, I'll get it. Cross country star. Fastest girl in the world. But I just mean those are like not sports that you're like, ooh, you're like a cross country star. They're kind of like the nerdier sports, which is fine, but just saying. I'll clean it up. Fastest girl in the world. There we go. Oh, I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I guess like, did you feel, did you you feel like, you said you weren't, when you would like watch 90210, you weren't weren't really like self-aware like that. But did you feel, I don't know, like you were in the cool crowd? Did you like, you know, you're dating like maybe the most popular guy in school. Do you, do you feel that? Do you feel like you're one of the more popular girls in school? No, but I, I, I could see how perhaps it would look like I would have felt that way, but no, not at all. And I think that, I think I, I always felt just, it's hard to, it's hard to describe. So I, I knew that I was kind of part of this larger popular group. But I, and, and some of this may not have been true, but I always felt like there were people that didn't really like me or maybe didn't want me in that group, right? I, I may have done some projection. I don't know, but I sort of felt that way. Mm. And so I, I never would have said or thought like, oh yeah, I was one of the most popular girls at all. Um, just be, you know, dating Eric, like I recognized like he was one of the most popular guys, but that wasn't necessarily what would have attracted me to him. But of course, like being his personality and charismatic and charismatic and magnetic and all those things would naturally make him a more popular person. And I think that those qualities are what attracted me to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I, I didn't feel that way about myself. And I think also because again, like a joke, but being like on the cross country team and track and being really into academics, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, equal with being cool. Were you, um, I guess I ask, I ask a lot of times, like as far as like groups of friends, um, do you feel like you had like a diverse group of friends, like as far as, you know, backgrounds and and race, or do you feel like I I always talk about like looking in the hallway and feeling like I, I felt like the school was so segregated in location, um, where people would hang out. Do you feel, but some people have said like, you know, like Jess Davis talks about like, you know, Ann Patterson, you know, through sports, especially having kind of like that ability to just be friends with a lot of different people. Did you feel like you had that or? No, I think, I think 
So I get, so through sports and I love that you brought up Jess Davis because she had to track with me and I, always, I love Jess Davis. She's just an amazing person. Um, so I think through sports there, you know, that brought together people from different backgrounds, of course. Um, and that was great. But as far as our friend group, when I look back, I almost cringe at times, to be honest, like, Oh, like here I am, like a bunch of blonde girls, like, oh, like uncomfortable, right? And, and I, certainly at that time, it was never in my mind to be like, I must find friends that look like me. I think things like that happen at times. And if you're not aware or thinking about it, you know, it, it can happen. And, you know, I don't, I look back, I don't, it wasn't, oh my gosh, you, like you have to check all these boxes to be my friend. You just like who you like. You get along with you get along with, and and it just so happened that you know, maybe your friends tended to look like you or have more similar backgrounds, and that does you know that does make me uncomfortable when I think about that at times. But you under but I also understand why it happened. Um, but yeah, no, in high school, well, there, I think I think sports, and then also in my classes, um, there was more diversity. That, and I'm really happy that that was the case at least that through sports and through classes, you know, that's kind of the, uh, that's area where then you would at least have a little bit more diversity. Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember, um, thinking back. And when I say it's not like, I I don't think a lot of people have control over it, especially that age. And we, that wasn't a thing that we were like, everything that's like in the, in, in conversation now, as far as like inclusivity, that just wasn't a thing that was like brought to the forefront. So, you know, even myself, most of my friends were white, you know, I talk often about, you know, missing that black experience with people right. in school um, because I just didn't have many black friends. Black acquaintances was kind of as good as it got in a lot of circumstances. So um, mm-hmm. I was curious, did you ever have like, do you ever have conflicts? I can't remember like hearing much, even though you were, you know, you're dating, um, you know, a popular guy and you're, you're having kind of like on and off, which I'm sure is a very public um, thing in, yeah. in such a small school, but I, I can't remember like, you know, Paige got in a fight or pages has problems with these people or did you have like conflicts in school? Well, if there was anything, it wouldn't have been like Paige got, I was like, I'm like such a people pleaser all I to a fault and always wanted I mean, more than, I don't think I ever thought oh, I want to be popular, but I know I thought I want to be liked. I mean, that's common, but I know I was like kind of an extreme and, and that's something even in my adult life, I try to sometimes actually push back against, right? It's not always the best uh, to just do things for that reason. So I don't think I would have ever been like trying to start any trouble or saying anything necessarily to cause any fight per se, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I at least felt, and it could have been all in my head, um, but my perception was that there were girls that didn't like me. And I felt like I had reason at times. So I even like freshman year, I remember like the girls that were the juniors, like, you know, my friend like, Oh, I heard them talking about you in the bathroom, you know, cause we're hanging out with the guys that were in new year. That's of course that makes sense. Um, and this is not to say that I didn't bring some of this on. Like I said, I'm sure I did do things. Um, but, but it was, you know, I would hear through others that like this person like didn't like me. And then certainly around Eric, there was, uh, there were definitely girls who, also had on and off with him or dated him or interested in him. And, you know, they didn't like me. And and like I said, there may have been other reasons too. So I know that there was that, but I definitely never like got into any fight that would have ever been a story. 
how, how did I would have just been like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, well, in your own, in your personal time though, in your, in your quiet, you know, in, in your head or in your quiet time when you get home, you know, for me, like I would stress about things like that to the point where I decided to create a podcast about it, you know, 20 years later. I was curious actually at some point, doesn't have to be doing this talk. I wanted to hear a little bit more about the inspiration behind it, but yes. Okay. So you would kind of think about that during yeah. the times. Yeah, and I would think about it, and you know, I think with guys, a lot of times it can be much more aggressive, um, and you know, maybe quicker to turn into a fight. Which I was always down to kind of, you know, get a little physical, um, lose or lose, which we usually my, you know, my outcomes one or the other, lose or lose. But for you, like, you know, did you go home and like, I know this is so stereotypical, but you know, girls who would get in fights with other girls and like she's she's trying to ruin me or like, was it, was it a stressful, like in your own space, when you're home, when you're going through just conflicts and people are talking about you and you're just trying to, you're doing a lot of different things. And you're also just being a real person and a teenager who's very emotional, who yourself said maybe weren't, wasn't even like all the way mature for something like these type of events. What was that like in your own head? Once you're not, once you're not in front of someone to please them. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I did have those thoughts. And I know that I, certain people that I would talk to on the phone with my girlfriends, I'm sure they heard about it too. If I felt comfortable, I'm sure there were things I didn't feel comfortable talking about. Uh, But I I think, and even to this day, I, I sometimes do this too. I, you know, I put my attention on something else. And so I don't necessarily, so if it's like, if I'm really uncomfortable about something or upset, then I'm like, well, I'm just going to be like the absolute best at this or do this or focus on this or whatever it is um, to, to kind of help me feel better about something. Um, not that I'm going to be the absolute best in anything, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of like, okay, let's go down this path instead. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, when I think back at high school too, I, I can't always remember like what exactly happened or where we were or who it was, but I can like remember those like really uncomfortable feelings, right, of um, like the angst and that just like not feeling wanted here. Like I'm not wanted at this party. There was a lot of that. I, I felt like, and again, I don't know if this was in my head or I, 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 at the time I thought I had reason to believe it, but it wasn't, I've heard some people describe it like everyone was friends with everyone. And I'm like, maybe I wanted to be, but I didn't necessarily feel like that was like, even within this kind of larger kind of cool kid or whatever you want to call it group, there were definitely like cooler kids or this party, but like you're not invited to this party. I felt that again. And, and I, and again, it could have been in my head, but that was part of my experience too. And for me, kind of when I was saying I would turn to other things when I having like cross country track and then a job. So thinking back to like, even uh, indoor track season, we would have meets every single Friday night and we would get home at like 12 or one o'clock. So we, these were really fun. Actually, we had a bus ride all the way up to like Cookstown or Lehigh. There were a few places that had indoor tracks. We had the bus up there. We'd actually stop at Wawa, get our subs to have after a race. That was our thing. Um, and some like sour patch kids, but anyway, uh, so Friday night would be, and that was every Friday night you would go and you would have, uh, these meets and they would take, take so long because indoor tracks are small and there's so few under tracks that all the schools are going to these meets. So they would start at like three something and really end at like midnight. And we drive home and get home at one. So there was no, no social socializing Friday nights. And then Saturday, 
I, depending on what stage of high school, I either worked, I worked at Bluebell and I was actually a busser, which is like kind of funny that I was, I was just, how was I a busser? How did I even lift anything? But uh, I'm not the strongest, but anyway, uh, so yeah, it was Bluebell Inn or Broad Axe, um, or I would babysit. I mean, I babysat ninth and 10th all the time on Saturday. So it wasn't, so I think some of, even like that, not maybe feeling always included, I was like, well, I have something else to do anyway. You know, in my mind, I think that's how I coped with it. Like, well, I'm doing this, I have track and then I'm working. So like, I, when I look back, I think there was some of that of keeping myself really busy with these other things. So maybe I wouldn't think about that perhaps if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I think I felt, you know, like you, you mentioned specifically, even though you were inside of that group, you, you would have those feelings and I being outside of the group, that was the feeling I got like in school, not, I never felt like I could go to the parties because I felt like people would give me that look like you're not invited. Um, and in class, you know, feeling like people didn't like me or, you know, just feeling that angst and not being able to remember very specific situations in all yeah, cases, but right. like, you know, the general, the general dialogue of how it would go. But I think, you know, I worked and I didn't do sports and the only activity I did course, but the only like after school heavy activity I did was musicals in the spring. So I think outside of that, I probably did go home and think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I can see that. Yeah. Did you have a favorite class? You were good at math through, through middle school, but was that like your, your top or did you start to excel in anything else? Yeah, I, you know, this was one question that I assumed would come up as far as like favorite teacher or class. And um, it's really, I can't just say one, but there are a few. And so math always was my favorite subject, which is different than favorite class probably, but it was definitely my favorite subject from the earliest that I can remember. Um, And then, and so in high school for three years, I had the same teacher, Mr. Stuart Schwartz. Uh, I don't know if you know him. Um, Bald head? Yes. Yes. Glasses, kind of big guy. Yes, absolutely. Barrel chest. You got him. You got him. Yes, that's it. And so, you know, I don't know if he was my favorite teacher necessarily, but I loved his classes, and this really says something because it's, it's teaching calculus. It's kind of dry integrals, derivatives, but he would always have all these problems to solve, and I, that's one of my favorite things to do. And so, he would just make it all so interesting. Mm. And I would, that would be the first homework I would do every night because I liked it the most. Um, and I always felt like it was fun. It was like stop figuring things out and solving these problems. And he always made them interesting. I think he cared so much. And the, the reason I would, so I would almost call my favorite teacher, but um, so there was this thing where he had, I don't know, the class was probably 50, 50 in terms of uh, girls, boys, men, women, whatever. Um, but it just felt like he never remembered any of the female students' names. And, and like Ashley Crater was in my class, right? She's like, she had like every answer to every question, right? And still, it's like, I don't think he knows her name. And he would like say the wrong name or he'd point or he'd like stutter over it. And so it was kind of, it was a big joke. And Billy Bishop was in my class. He was like my calc study buddy. I love Billy Bishop. Um, and yeah, we would have study dates. But anyway, he was like Mr. Schwartz's favorite by far. And like, he wouldn't even raise his hand and like Mr. Schwartz would like look over at him like, oh, Billy, do you have the answer? 
And so I just, so anyway, there's that bit, which like kind of makes it hard for me to say he's my favorite because he like never knew my name, even though I was in class from like pre-calc through like senior year of calc to whatever wow. it was called. Um, but I loved his class. So there's that. And then the other teacher, there are a couple more, and uh, one that I'll always remember, and I think Alicia Conti mentioned her, Senora Romeo. She was so hard, so good, but so hard. And I think I had it for three years. I think I, again, had it from sophomore through senior year. And our senior year, um, there wasn't an AP class for Spanish, but there, whatever we were in uh, for Spanish, there, you know, she, I think she must have pulled the class and said, is anyone interested in taking the AP exam? This isn't an AP class, not an AP curriculum, but wanted to know. And I think there were five or six of us who, of course, like, I don't know why I thought this was what I wanted to do, but I'm like, oh, I do. And she would have us go to school a senior year. She would meet us there at like 10 to 7, 7, and go over and prepare us for the Spanish, the AP exam. This was like off hours just at, because she cared, she was a good teacher. And so she would bring donuts and meet with us before school. Again, I'm like, why did I think like I needed to add this to my plate? Like, is it this? But you know, I, I did love Spanish. It was always really, it was hard. You know, it's, I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. I never went to any Spanish speaking country. So I didn't have any, it was just book Spanish that I learned, you know, but she was such a good teacher that I loved Spanish and went on in college. I didn't major in it, but I took Spanish courses and it was really because of her. And I felt, uh, you know, she was really good. So I'd say she was a top teacher too. And then a couple of the, in- Oh, go ahead. Can you still what speak it? So <laughs> I'd say it comes and goes, but I do try like one of my good friends here, her first language was Spanish. And so I do try anytime she's here and I, you know, I, I try to speak Spanish with her and my other good friend here is from Colombia and she moved here in like her twenties. And so, you know, I, I do try to speak Spanish and then they try to teach my daughter Spanish and they get her books in Spanish. And like my one friend brought back these like authentic books from Colombia. I'm like, do you realize like, I don't know how to read this book there. I've never even heard these words, but it's really fun. And so I do try, but it's, you know, if you don't have the opportunity, then it, you know, fades, but I I feel like I have enough of the foundation Mm -hmm. that if I immerse myself, you know, in it, it would come back. I, I did a program in Chile, when I was in one of my grad programs at some point, and that was good. I mean, it was really hard the first week, but then it starts coming back. And, and a lot of that does come, you know, I think from high school. Cause I, I took a few classes in college, but a lot of it was high school. Okay. Uh, and then English, too, I had a couple really good English teachers that I would, I have to mention this cause I, to this day, I still like remember some of the books that we would talk about in their class. And there's probably that bias. I just like liked the material a lot. And so I'm like, Oh, we get to read books as homework. This is great. Um, so Mrs. Patterson I had my junior year and I loved her. She's so good. And Mrs. Spies, my senior year, who's like, it was really hard because some of it didn't come naturally to me. Like some of the poetry is so hard for me. It's always been really hard for me. Like the creative side of my brain, like needs a little bit of some push and takes, takes more time, but she, so it was a hard class, but really good. And I, and I loved it. So I'd say, and they were both great teachers. Um, anything that you, didn't feel like you didn't like, weren't good at teaching. Yes. It's like, well, this is not working for me. Yeah. So actually, um, I always, I don't know if I'd say struggled, but just really did not like social studies and history. I, cause I like, I love fiction. I love stories. I love like being, I, I just love that world. And so history, especially how we learned it, maybe it's better now. God is so dry and boring. Just fact after fact. Yes. 
And I'm so bad at that. That's like not my strength. Memorization like take is harder for me. Like I really have to work on it. Like I would have to read it multiple times. It's not like if it's just boring fact or fact, like I will be falling asleep. And so I really did not like um, those as much. And and maybe we did have great teachers. I don't want to say we didn't. It just was not taught in a way that worked for me. That's something that I've been talking about a lot lately is like, I, I was, I didn't know how to study. I was great at math, right? Math was like probably my best subject. Um, but I, I couldn't write down, I couldn't listen to the teacher write down the outline that he was putting on the overhead transparency mm-hmm. and then go home and do anything with what I wrote in that notebook. It was just, that was it. I wrote it in the notebook. If I remembered what I put in there, great. But like, I, I just couldn't do facts and facts and like, match up this treaty to this definition or, or match up this war to, to this year. I had no clue. And I retain information so much better now, I think, because I have an opportunity to discuss it with people and talking about history. There's so many you know, different things that you can talk to people about. And I feel like that's how I retain the information. But you could. Yeah, now you, you're able to seek it out in the way you want to, right? And you're able to read about it when you're interested in it instead of being forced to at this time. Yeah, that's interesting. I agree with you. Did you have, but you got good grades in history? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was pretty like determined, like I had to get A's, like there was no alternative. Now I I remember I got in high school, I did get a B in typing. It's like, I'm never going to forget this. No, I, I have like, this is like always, it's, a, it's kind of a joke now. I mean, clearly I, I have moved on, but like, I still remember my fresh, I had two B's my freshman year. One was in typing and I think the other one was in gym someone mentioned Mrs. Mesa and I was like oh I don't know if she's my favorite because <laughs> she gave me a B I was too social or talking too much wow. but yeah um but yeah I was so even if I hated something like that's the thing I know plenty of friends were like oh if I'm interested like they'll study you know it'd be great if they're not they're just they're over it whereas for me even if I hated something, which I did hate certain things, especially history, like it wouldn't have affected, like I would just have to study that much more. You mentioned your friends. Uh, did you feel, you said you didn't have competition with like, or you didn't feel uh, pressure from your parents. Did you feel competitive with your friends? You know, hmm, I, it's funny because I don't really remember with my friends necessarily and they were you know i think senior year lizzie was a good lindsay black was a good friend she was in almost every class with me i think and colleen and brooke they were in a lot of my classes chrissy too leslie was in she was on she was in um i think a number of my classes i don't remember feeling competitive with them necessarily maybe i i was but i usually was always had this weird thing where i was more competitive with boys I had I had a thing from early on even with running like I just I hated this assumption that was made especially like when we were growing up like men are better at math men are better athletes men are faster and I had a oh let me show you mentality all the way through so like if in a class of like Colleen did better than me like I don't think it would have pleased me because mainly my number one thing was like am I getting an A and not just scraping but like am I getting the grade I want to get and if I got a 95 and someone else got 98 like I think I would be okay with that even to this day, I'm like, yeah, I think that I wasn't that, I don't want to say crazy, but I wasn't that intense. <laughs> I don't know. But with any of the guys in the class, I think I did feel more with them and any, especially in math. And I think too, why I remembered Mr. Schwartz, like not remembering any of the female students and all the male students. Like, that's why I'm like, I love the class. He was a great teacher. 
but there's this thing that like is going to prevent him from being my number one teacher. Um, and I think that really bothered me. So, and, and so I think there was more of that, I would say than with my friends, but then the thing, a lot of the guys that we hung out with socially, they weren't necessarily the same, like they weren't in all of our classes or mo many of our classes, I would say. Um, and so in school, like the guys that I was actually like, kind of more friends with in class, like I remember I have so many memories of like Billy Bishop, and, like Kyle Spies was in a bunch of my classes and Dave Zeger and, and these guys, I remember more, and, and even Rishi Patel, I remember he was in some classes and Dave Majumdar, some of those guys where I would have really good conversations with them in class and like, oh, we really connect and get along well. But then outside of class, it wasn't that I would ever avoid them. We just weren't hanging out socially. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question and kind of went off? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you, what did you want to do? Like, as you're, as you're going through school, you seem like you were pretty like, all right. So you mentioned like in middle school, you were already told that there's a chance you could go to college on a scholarship. So college is in your, has to be in your thoughts this entire time. I didn't start thinking about college until, you know, end of 11th grade, beginning of 12th grade, maybe end of 12th grade. <laughs> I, I just, it just wasn't like in my head. So for you, what did you want to go to college? As you're growing up, everyone kind of has that dream. What did you want to do? Yeah, well, you're right. I definitely was thinking about college pretty early and both thinking, okay, I want to be able to run. So I need to keep up with that, of course. And then also uh, academically too. Um, but so I knew I wanted to go to college. I was thinking about colleges early and I was already going on like unofficial visits places my junior year that summer going into my senior year and like looked all over a bunch of schools um, before even our senior year. And I think that was during junior year maybe. And and so I was focused on that. But as far as what I wanted to do in college, you know, it's, I look back and that's where sometimes I have regret that I didn't find or seek out opportunities to like learn more about real jobs and things that I would want to do. Like I kind of had this vague notion of like, okay, I want to have a career and I want to be successful however you would have wanted to find it. Just doing something where I'm good and with this, you know, nice career going. But I really didn't know what that would be, I think I thought at some point, oh, maybe a doctor, maybe a lawyer, or I, when I went into college, I, for the first year and a half, I was in economics. It was a liberal arts school, so it's not like they had to, you know, do a business major, but economics, I'm like, oh, that'll set me up if I was want to do iBanking or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I really didn't know, and I wish I had, it all turned out all right, but I think I could have gotten to where I am now sooner had I started earlier and really thought about actual true careers and like maybe shadowed people or I'm sure like had I asked the right people there were opportunities you know you can't expect things to just come to you you know you have to find them and so I, I'm sure there were and I didn't think about that as much as more of like I want to get into like the best school I can get into and I want them to pay for it if that's possible right and so those were my goals and it wasn't so much I want to go to this school for this program it was more just you know, like the best school possible that like is willing to pay for me to go there. So who was, what schools were on your radar um, for yeah. attending? So I would say this, there were a lot of schools um, in the Northeast. So I did look at, I did keep an open mind, looked at all the different Ivy League schools um, and they don't offer scholarships. I mean, you can get financial aid, which is, nice and great i'm glad they have it but i really you know i'm one of four kids and all of us were going to go to college and it was very reasonable but i think 
my parents, like the kind of, ex, not the expectation, but we have these great state schools. So like if this, this is a great path. And I think had I, you know, really argued for something else, that would have been fine. I just, you know, I, I didn't want to do that. I was just the second of four. They have many more to come. And so anyway, um, so I looked at, at Ivy League schools. I did do a recruiting trip um, to Yale and I had one scheduled to Brown as well. So I did look kind of up in that area. Um, and then I looked in the South. And so I, the schools that I was focused on, Duke, UVA, I also liked William and Mary. Um, they had, those schools all had some scholarship opportunities for female track and cross country athletes. Um, so it was really on the East Coast, but in the South, so Virginia and North Carolina, I looked at UNC as well. But then after I went on my Duke trip, um, they were, you know, called and talked about scholarship options and they want you to commit early and then send in your application early. And, and so I ended up, um, when they offered the scholarship and I loved the school and I loved the idea of going somewhere different, warmer, especially running through the winter. And just, I, I, I did want to get away. I think not, a, I don't think I was running away, but I wanted a different experience. And I liked that no one else from our high school was going there that year. And it was going to be completely different than what anything I was used to. And so that's where I ended up committing and going. So I knew maybe October, November of our senior year, that that's where I was headed. Once you do that, is it still like full speed ahead in, in, to finish out strong, even though? I think I would relax, right? Like, wouldn't you think you would relax? Like, everyone would tell me it doesn't matter anymore as long as you don't fail. But like, it didn't change anything for some reason. But I wish I look back to and I'm like, okay, I could have like chilled a little bit. But I've been told my whole life to like chill or relax. Those are like two words that are like almost trigger words. I'm like, I get it. You want me to relax? You want me to chill? It's not that easy. Uh, um, I don't think I did, but I could have probably. <laughs> Did you, um, you wanted to go somewhere warmer. It sounded like you were really open to just leaving the area. Yes. Was there any reason specifically for that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, for some reason, like schools that were close by where I knew other people were going, it had nothing to do with like that person going there. I guess I just wanted to go somewhere new where I would be on my own and do something different and where it was like, okay, it's not so far. Like I didn't want to go out to California necessarily and have to take a six hour flight back, but North or where Duke was, it's about, you know, best case scenario, seven hour drive, which is completely reasonable. And at that time they had this airline that I think called Midway it doesn't exist anymore, but you, you could get a ticket for like 30 bucks. It was something really cheap. So it was like, oh, and it's, you know, an hour flight or less. So it was still reasonable and but different. I, I, I did have in my mind that I wanted to do something different where no one else was going mm. just to kind of go on my own, I guess. I mean, I kind of had always a little bit of, you know, I, I don't know if it's like wanting to be independent, maybe even before I was ready, but I, I, maybe I felt like I had something to prove to myself or just kind of wanted to do it on my own. And, um, and that was you know, part of it, I think. What's that farewell like? You know, you, you grew up with, with some really close people that, you know, you mentioned, you know, since the very beginning at Shady Grove. Um, what's, and, and having that connection to a larger, you know, such a larger group, what's that goodbye like altogether, moving away, going to do? Yeah, you know, I, it's, the one goodbye I do remember, I because I was going out with Eric at the time, and somehow we were mature enough to realize we weren't going to try to make this work. He was going to Gettysburg, um, and obviously there, 
just as far as it is from home. And, and so we never thought we were going to try to make it work, but we did go out, whatever that terminology was, up until the end, really the day. So I had to leave early. We had preseason. So I left maybe like mid, mid-August to go down to school early. Um, and so that was the day we broke up. And I remember that being, I remember that goodbye being a lot harder than I thought and you know, crying and all that. Um, that was hard. I remember that goodbye. And then I, I flew down on my own first for the preseason. And then once we could move into our, and we were staying in a hotel, I think for that preseason. And then once, um, we could move into the dorms, then my parents came down and that goodbye with them was really hard, but it wasn't really registering at first. And so I don't remember being all that sad about leaving the area or leaving family, like when I was actually leaving my house. Um, I think I was really excited. I think I was really excited for a change and, and maybe I, I felt like I needed one or it just seemed, um, yeah, I, I think I was more excited and not, it wasn't that, I guess it wasn't that hard, but it didn't mean those, you know, friendships didn't mean everything to me. I guess I just felt like we'd already, like there was no question in my mind just a few people that there's no question in my mind that these will be my friends for life. Like I had never doubted that. I didn't care where you threw the money, where you moved or what happened. I just knew like with Colleen and Chrissy, just given every, how early we were friends. And I was so their families are like my families. I mean, I like love her families. Chrissy's brother. I call him step. Like he's like, I always you joke, but like, I just like have the best feelings. I can picture their houses. I can picture everything about them and, and growing up with them that I never, those friendships I never worried about. And the others, I, I you know, I, I don't know if I, yeah, I guess I didn't really think one way or the other. Like I assumed, okay, I'll probably see you during breaks or whatever it, it is, but I don't know if I worried and thought too much about it. I've always liked having like a few really, really good friends. Yeah. You know, where I've lived, because I've lived in all these, <laughs> since uh, high school, I've lived in all these different cities and everywhere I go, I feel like there are always like two or three people who I'm really, really close with and would tell anything to. And then, you know, it's fine. Other friends are social. It's all good. But I usually have just like a couple that I am like really tight with. Well, that's good. Especially when you move around, it's good to have yes. something to keep you grounded. Yes, absolutely. As they say, right. That was the most cliche. <laughs> yes, sorry, I've already said like 30 cliches, I'm sure. I was like, I was like, note to self, try not to use a lot of cliches. Here we go. Okay. When you went to, um, when you went away to college, you said you started with econ. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't pan out. What was that realization? Yeah. You might be interested in this. Um, so I always liked econ. You know, I had a lot of math, econometrics, and all of that. Uh, but then my but I really didn't know what I was going to do with it. But again, it's a liberal arts school. So everyone was majoring in things. It's not like we had like business, accounting, teaching. It was all like sociology and political science, all those kinds of majors. So anyway, I, I liked econ, but then my sophomore year, I took a class in public policy and I loved public policy. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Did I think I was going to go in and start like shaping policy? Who knows? But I loved it and it did, it, there was a lot of overlap with econ and the classes. So a lot of the classes I taken for econ were the ones that all the public policy students were dreading. I'm like, oh, I already had those. So now I get to take all these fun classes, health policy, environmental policy and ethics and all this stuff. And, and so I ended up switching and majoring in public policy. Yep, and, and loved it. Like it was such, like my classes were so much fun. I mean, it was, of course, it was, 
things were hard too, but it was really fun because all the classes were small. I mean, your, your first couple, you know, 100 level series or whatever were larger, but then most of your classes were small, forcing discussion, which is good. You know, that they can't just go to class and sit there and not say anything. Right. And so even though like then you have a little bit more dread at times, but it, it is like more interesting and then you're engaged. And so there were a lot of classes like that, which I really liked. Um, and it was the kind of major where you didn't have labs. And for me with cross country and track, I, again, this is another area, I have lots of areas of regret, but I really did not want anything in, to get in the way of like cross country and track. So we have practice every day at three and then every weekend for the most part, we would have competitions. A lot of times we'd have to leave on Friday and sometimes Thursday. Mm. And so, and then it would, you know, you'd be a couple days, you'd be gone. And so for classes, like if I were pre-med or engineering, because I had times I thought, oh, maybe I should do engineering. Um, but, you know, there's so many labs and you have lots of Friday classes. And I didn't want to have any of that conflict of public policy to fit neatly in with like, okay, it's a good major, but it's not like the hardest major here. It was somewhere in the middle and it felt comfortable and reasonable. And like, I always want things to be like, where I can manage it so that I don't like lose my mind. And, and so it, it fit well there. Um, and, and yeah, and so I, I really, I liked, again, I, I had no idea what I was actually going to do with public policy, but yeah. it was really, it was a, it was an interesting major and, and I enjoyed it. What was your, so I joked, I called you the fastest woman in the world. Um, but you, you had <laughs> set, you had set a, a record in cross country, right? For like fastest run for in Pennsylvania? Is that what it was in high school? So in high school there, I think there were, uh, we had state championships after uh, each season. And so in cross country my senior year, I won our state championship, but they would have them on different courses. So I don't know if there was any type of like, I can't remember if it was like record or record or not, but I was, it was a state champion cross country. And then in track um, in the two mile, my junior and senior year, I had, I had won the states in those. So I guess that time, that year, I was the fastest female in, in that that day, I guess. It's the it's the time old, you know, trope of high school athlete goes into the goes into the big pond and struggles. Um, what was it like for you going to going to Duke and running? Were you yeah. up to par of what you wanted to be at? Yeah, so it was really hard in, you know, you come out of high school and on your team, you get, you know, I always felt I had all this support and it's because I wasn't really competitive with the people on my team. And so maybe their experience was different, but it, you know, to be honest, I was like, Oh, well, I, you know, I was our best runner on our team. So it wasn't, and it wasn't like, if, even if I had a bad day, you know, I still would be, tip, I think. And so it was just totally different. When I got to college, you're spending so much time, with all these girls in your team, everyone was the state champion of their state. And, and on, and, and on top, and so you're spending all this time with them Yeah. and you're so competitive. So now before it was like, okay, I was competitive with people on other teams and always super competitive with myself. But here now in college, it's like every single day of practice, I'm competitive with myself and I'm always the harshest critic of myself. I mean, that's another struggle that will probably not go away, but you know, I'm competitive with myself and always hard on myself. This isn't good enough. And then also everyone on your team. So every day you're having that competition with people on your team. And then you're, you have meets every weekend and you're competitive both with your team and with the other team. So it was, it's a lot. And, and then also you have all, because you know, every, you're 
competing to be even on like, you know, cross country has seven girls that are on your varsity. So you're competing for that spot all the time. So then every practice is, you know, a huge effort. Whereas like in high school, if I wasn't feeling great or like I would kind of be able to set the pace and, and no one would blink an eye and it was fine here. It's like every day. And so and given my personality, you know, I'm just like trying to like crush it as much. And, and so I had, you know, I had lots of highs. Like I can remember some races and it was like, this is great. And then lots of injuries and lows. And it was like so much more up and down and, and just so all consuming because you have, Again, you know, you have your practice, but then you have like all this special stretching your coach is making you do. And then you have like these extra like meetings about whatever. And then you have like strength training and all this other stuff that you would have like four hours. Oh, and then ice baths after every run. Like, and you always feel like, well, they're doing it. So I need to do it. So it's like four hours and you're finally eating at like 730. You started at three and then you have homework and you go to the library and do homework and then you'd wake up and have a morning run. So it's just like, it's really intense. So, you know, School was intense too, you know, lots of really good students, but I felt like that was manageable. And I think the public policy was the good choice for me because it was like, okay, if I had been in engineering, I had a couple of friends on the team that were in engineering and that was on top of everything else and all the competition on the, you know, in track, that's a really, that's, that was difficult to do or pre-med. But yeah, so it was, it was, it was tough in that regard because also like, these are your friends sort of, right? Like these are the people who like, the world is putting you all together and you're seeing them four hours a day and then you're finished, you go all and you eat dinner together, but you're also competing every day. So you kind of like them, but you kind of don't, but they do the, it's just this weird thing. It's like, Oh, she's kind of my friend, but also like wants to beat me. It's like a weird thing. Right. And so there was a lot of that. Um, and that probably sounds more negative. I mean, there, I don't mean to say it was all negative because there were like a lot of amazing things. And we got to, the one thing that I'll always be grateful for is we got to travel all across the country. You know, we get to Portland and Northern California. I mean, of course, places like Indiana and Iowa, which is great to check those off. But anyway, you know, you get to travel all around. Um, that was really neat. And, you know, and, and it did, it did pay my full way. And, and you know, Duke is insanely expensive. And so that's, you know, great. And so I never, it was never an option for me to quit the team. It never, I don't know, had I not been on a scholarship, I maybe would have considered it at some point, possibly. I don't know, because that wasn't my reality. Right. It's hard to say. I wouldn't sit there and think about that, but maybe. But, you know, it never even occurred to me that I would. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> sometimes I wish I had a little bit more of a normal experience. I wish I didn't think this way, but sometimes if I were to do it over again, what would I do? But, you know, I think I would have just like, I wish I had more like a, a great, a better perspective. I just thought everything, like I had this race and if it didn't go well, like that would destroy me. And I just wish I had a little bit more perspective and realized actually it doesn't. Like you are going to be fine. And like people could tell me that. I remember like, you know, oh, you'll be fine. It's not that big of a deal. Relax. You know, but I would get all, you know, anxiety about races or big competitions and think that mattered more than anything. Um, and I, I wish I, so I, I think I could have, I guess what I'm saying is I think I could have continued, I could have done cross country and track. And I think if I had a little bit of more balanced or better perspective, you know, bringing what I know now to then, I think it could have been slightly more of a normal college experience. Like I know other people, um, you know, who did cross country and track more on the guys team. They seem to have a perfectly fine experience. <laughs> they seem to be doing just fine. <laughs> so it, yeah, it was, it was probably, 
partially, you know, just on, on me there. Was there any point that you thought like either through high school or through college that, you know, you could continue running, run for the Olympics or, or, you know, anything like that? Was that ever in your mind? Funny because when, remember I told you I got the yearbook, I, um, I looked at the, a couple of the things people had written and they were like, I can't wait to see you in the Olympics. I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it was nice. It didn't happen. So, no, I, you know, once I was in my senior year, um, my, my junior and senior year of college were like my best years as far as some of my personal records and a couple of my races, um, which was good. I had a good freshman year and the sophomore year I was injured the whole time. That was really hard. Mm. It was just one injury after the other. Um, in the junior and senior year, there were some, some better points, but I never thought I wanted to run professionally after. And there were girls, there's a girl that was on my team who was in the last three Olympics in the mile. She, you know, she knew that's what she wanted to do. Um, I knew like I was ready to move on and I knew like I love running so much. I, I still do it every day that I can. Um, but I was, I did not want to race and compete at that level. And that be such a central point of my life. I wanted it to be more of, I wanted it to shift to being a hobby. I was ready. I was aware of that. I'm like, this feels like this will be a really great hobby, a lifelong hobby, hopefully. And I'm ready to focus on other things. And I, so like after college, I did run some marathons for some time, like maybe one a year. And that was through about 2010. Um, but, but I haven't run any since then. And there was, there have been a couple times where I've, thought about it. And then I just want to keep running more fun and recreational. I had had a couple, couple good marathons for myself. Um, I mean, not compared to obviously people that are actually like winning the Olympics, but they were like, for me, there were a couple of good ones. And I had actually in 08, I did, um, I qualified and did run in the trials, which is very different than the actual Olympics. Very different. Like there are 160 or so people. Um, and then that race was really disappointing. Like I finished somewhere in the middle it was really hard. It was, and I'm like, okay, I'm never going to be winning this. Like, I'm just don't have the kind of talent or this isn't like I'm doing other things. This isn't my job right now. And why am I doing this and putting all this pressure and stress on myself? So really like after that, I, I've just made it fun and I never look back and I'm happy that it is what it is now for me. <laughs> I, I find it pretty interesting when you went that, you know, your, your whole kind of time through middle school and high school, you were definitely working towards something and, but then you didn't really know what that was yes. from a career standpoint, which led you into a major that wasn't for you that put you into public policy that you enjoyed yet. You still had nothing. So like while you had been planning almost for this moment, you didn't seem to have a path past that. Right. No. So I, that's very accurate. I was generally, when I look back, I was very focused on like, okay, I need to get the A, I need to get into whatever the next step is. And then once I was in college, especially come my junior year, I really was not sure what I wanted to do next. And I, at that point, I assumed it was probably going to be go on for additional education and something more specific. I wasn't sure yet exactly what that would look like. I thought about different ideas. Med school was off the table because I quickly learned, I mean, I can't stand blood. I'm, I would pass out. I mean, I'm ter I would be terrible in anything in that environment. So that was, that was something I thought before I really understood what it meant. Um, but you know, I thought, Oh, do I want to go to law school or what type of grad school would I want to do? 
And, um, and, but yeah, but it really, I really didn't know. I just was always so focused on like, I need to get a good grade in this class. And I think that was at times, it's not the mentality I would recommend. Okay. Um, but it is, it was my mentality, but I don't think it was best. And looking back, I don't think it was best. I wish I had spent more time, less focused on just like getting the best grade I could and doing everything uh, to, to make sure that was the case and, and really thinking about what I wanted to do. So it really wasn't until like the end of my junior year that I was like, okay, I need to like really figure this out because I don't want to just go to think, okay, I'm going to go to law school just because, which, you know, maybe that would have turned out okay. But there were definitely people who, you know, plenty of people that were planning to go that route and they probably had better reason for it. So going into my senior year, I started looking for different opportunities um, at the Duke Med Center and not in medicine or anything like that, but I had had a class where we had to do a lot of research and I realized, I was like, oh, I really like this whole research thing, like true research. This is, this is kind of right up my alley. And so I thought, well, let me see if there's any type of research assistantship position for a student, which of course there were. Um, and so I started doing that my leading into my senior year and throughout my senior year. And I worked with a group that were doing um, nutrition and cancer studies, clinical trials. And I, I just loved being in that world. I felt like it was a great fit. It kind of pulled together some of my kind of my skills. And it wasn't anything that I even really thought about, like, what would it you know, a few, what would a career research look like? And I, but I, I really liked what I was doing. And part of that was I really liked the PR, the principal investigator I was working with, and she's been a lifelong mentor. And so she um, kind of then helped me figure out a path. She sat with me and she was like, you have these skills. This is like, I, she's like, I see all these students and like, here's where your strengths are. Here's where they aren't. But she's so honest. And she said, this would be like, I could see this path for you. And, and then from, and so she really, from then and for a few years really helped guide me. I, I can't thank her enough. She's done so much. So anyway, I was working with her, working on these studies and thought, okay, well, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but they're telling me like, here's what you need to go on and you need to at least get your master's and hopefully your PhD in this area. And this is going to kind of be the way for you. If, if this is what you want to continue to work on, you know, do research. We were cancer research, which I just really fell in love with being in that area from the start. Um, and so from there, then I decided to apply for, uh, to get initially thinking just a master's and then ended up staying on for my PhD. And I actually, so I ended up, they had recommended this uh, one faculty member at Penn State. So for a PhD program, you have to have a faculty advisor and you are then typically then they bring you in and fund you off their grant or whatever it is so that you don't have to pay. Um, I'm always looking for the free education. I'll tell you that. My husband's like, is what you actually wanted to do? Or are you just looking for like where you didn't have to pay any money? I'm like, I think it was some of both. Um, just but anyway, so, I know exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they really helped guide and lead me in that direction. Uh, so I ended up in state college um, in the nutritional sciences department there. And I was working on um, really in the area of epidemiology. So looking at like nutrition and cancer from like an epidemiologic perspective. Um, and, and so I was there for four years and ended up initially getting my master's and then I loved my faculty advisor there. And I was still connected with my group at Duke too. We were still working together in projects and they were involved in my thesis and my dissertation and all of that. Um, 
So then I was there. Um, and still, though, I wasn't positive like exactly what I wanted to do. And I kind of fell into the same thing there that I did in college and probably even in high school where I was like so focused on like, okay, getting this grade and then also like research, getting this paper published or whatever it was or getting this grant, like all the things that you need to do, like check the boxes to succeed. And I would always like really focus on those. Okay, I'm a comprehensive exam, like all out effort. This is what I'm, what I'm doing. And it was always hard for me to really think like, where do you really want this to take you? Yeah. Um, when you talked about, you know, talking with your, with like, was a PI, is that what you call it? Or yeah, a principal investigator. I don't really like when people use like jargon, so I, I should have just said principal, like the, the lead researcher. Okay. Well, or was it your advisor that said this? That that was laying, was it your advisor that was laying out like your skills? Oh, she was. Yeah. She was, yeah. So she was the, like the, she had all these research studies, all this funding. She was kind of, and she, you know, she took the time and sat with me and really helped me figure out a path forward or the next step at least. You know, for someone like me that just didn't take academics seriously and was pretty much from, from any time I thought about anything was always arts driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I always, I never expected to have any type of academic success or I just had to get by so that I could excel in arts. Um, and then I think I expected to have to figure it out or like, you know, artists have to find gigs and, and, you know, find a place where I can show my work and, and get, you know, portfolio going and all that. For you, who like was kind of like a career academic, when you say that you're sitting down with someone who's saying like, here's your skills and here's what you can do, you know, for someone like me that didn't have, that just didn't have the, the ability to do as well as, as like you did, I would look at you from a distance and say, boy, I bet Paige, I bet Paige Miller has it like figured out. <laughs> right. And I don't know if you did or not. I'm curious if you thought you had it figured out as you're going through it or if you were not even self-aware is probably my, that you weren't even thinking that far because you were studying. But what's no, like I, someone's- I, was, I felt, I was mad at myself that I didn't have it figured out. I was aware that I, I was, I knew what I was doing and I couldn't, like I, okay, I, really focus on this. Sure. You're going to like, maybe you'll have a good GPA, but like, what does this really mean? What do you want to do? Was always the harder part for me where I've always needed to like have someone to consult with and talk it through and someone who's just brutally honest and doesn't have an agenda, you know? And, and I think that's been a thing throughout my whole career where I have been at times you maybe lead a little, led a little astray if people have agendas, but if you really can, if you know, find people who you just trust and value and that really for whatever reason, you know, I mean, they're a good person. They have your best interest. Um, I, I've always really needed that at every step. And I can think back to like, you know, different stages of career where I was. And there's usually one person or maybe two that were like absolutely critical to helping me navigate moving forward because it, it's, a, it can be hard. I mean, if you, it's, if you had a career, let's say you, you got an accounting degree, I just think back to my dad. He knew from day one, I want to be a CPA. Where he wanted to work, of course, that's, you know, a couple different options there, but it was so clear. And I, and, you know, in a way I always envy that are people that wanted to be teachers and got their teaching degree. And then they knew they wanted to be a math teacher and they did what they needed to do. And it was such a clear path. And like where I was heading going, it was kind of nebulous and I wasn't sure. And there's so many different ways you can go. And there are people with agendas, like they're doing it this way. They think this is the best. So like, of course you need to be, you know, a professor at university or whatever it is. And um, but anyway, I, I, for me, I really always benefited and needed 
people to bounce ideas off of. And, um, and I, cause I didn't have all the answers. That's, you know, I, I often ask people, was there anyone that like helped that helped guide you or helped show you that way? Because I didn't feel like I didn't have a clue. And I, maybe I just settled and say, well, I'm a, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do theater or I'm going to do film um, or I'm going to do radio. And I never had someone, you know, to, cons- to, to consult with, to give me that feedback, that advice to say, here are the steps that you need to take and here's something that you could do. But, you know, I bet from my perspective, I probably needed to ask somebody. Yeah. I mean, you have to be vulnerable, right? So it's, it's uncomfortable to say, I don't know what I want to do. And that, and that can prevent like a really good conversation, right? Because you have to, because you, you know, you want to, at times like, and, and also like I look back and there are times where like, you're expected to have the answers and have everything polished and know exactly what you're going to do next. And, and sometimes like, yeah, you have to be willing to say, you know what, I really don't know. And it's easier for me. I could always say, I, I know I, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do this, but what, and I, I hear where, here's what I enjoy doing and what I like. But what does that actually mean as far as a career and what to do next? Um, and I, I guess I have, the thing is I've, I've had people where I've been comfortable saying it to them because they've, they've allowed that, right? So it wasn't that, if that makes sense at all, like they were people who were warm and open and I could tell wanted to help me like saw potential perhaps in a certain way, but knew I wasn't sure and, and wanted to, you know, help and guide. Yeah, I think the only type of like real guidance I had from a career standpoint was my parents both telling me to to love what you do, to not yes. have, you know, they had very, you know, think run of the mill office type jobs. And it wasn't anything that they like grew up loving or grew up wanting to do. You know, anyone could have gotten this job that, you know, started at that level and then worked their way through. Um, but they always said to love what you do. And so I think that's the only thing I had. And so that's probably why I just kept staying with the arts, but I never, ever, ever in a million years could envision, which is why it was like when I ended up going to WWE, it was so fucking crazy because nobody ever took me aside and said, hey, if you go to college for film <laughs> and get like a degree, maybe you could be a writer for the WWE. Um, no one, even so much so, I was just telling someone this the other day, you know, I remember, I think it was Mr. Curcio's class <laughs> where we had to write like what you want to do for your career. And I had written on there, like I had like, my plan was to write for Dennis Miller Live, which was the political HBO show at the time when we were in high school, and then go on to Saturday Night Live and be a writer for SNL and then work for the Howard Stern show and do a radio (laughs) show for Stern. Like, obviously that's the path. (laughs) But it's pretty, like, other than like, other than writing for Dennis Miller Live, like I got, you know, the SNL thing was pretty similar to the experience with working for ref- for wrestling. It's a crazy billionaire working every single day, every, you know, with no time off. And I don't know, this isn't Stern, but I'm doing some sort of a show, but. Absolutely. That is interesting. No one ever, but no one ever like took me to say like, here's how you can do that. Mm-hmm. Well then, I mean, then it makes it all the more impressive that you are doing what you're doing. See, I needed all this handholding. <laughs> well, what was pretty interesting, though, is because, you know, saying that you, you know, you had, and I, I, this is my favorite part of the podcast. Do you realize that how we started this with, you know, talking about how much you love school and, and you liked math and 
the thing that you didn't like was was like memorization, right? Just like, but like something like this with science, which is not necessarily memorization because things are changing, but it's the researching aspect. It's the right. That's what you. That's what you ended up falling into after college. But that's what the original thing that you liked this entire time we've been talking. Well, yeah, it's interesting too, because like the last night, the last four years, more or less what I've been doing, it is, it's interesting because you, a lot of times people talk about like math in high school and how it like has no bearing on anything they're ever going to do. And while I'm not doing like integrals and derivatives in my day to day, like the, what I, like the skills that I learned in calculus class. And I mean, on a day to day basis now I'm doing work data programming, data statistics, I'm doing all sorts of data things and analysis and problem solving. And it's very related in a way to what, like, you said, yeah, what I loved. And, but it was never did I even know, like what I'm doing now, I'm a cancer epidemiologist. I didn't know that existed. I would never have even been able to pronounce epidemiology. And the fact, and like kind of my path here certainly has not been linear. It's kind of, gone in this direction, but it's certainly taken a couple turns here, there, um, you know, and, but yeah, it is interesting that it's like actually what I do for at least seven, I mean, of course, 25% of the day is a lot of BS, right? Like meetings and things, other people's issues, but regardless, most of my day, I'm doing things that like, I really love doing and I'm working with like numbers and data and doing analyses and that sort of thing. And it's, yeah, it is interesting that that's, you know, yeah. where I start. It probably doesn't sound very interesting to most people. I mean, my my husband, when I was coming on here, he's like, just try not to talk about your job too much. Um, he also told me to talk slowly. And what was the, there were like three things he said. It's like, that, that was one of them. I was like, all right, I won't talk about my job too much. Because <laughs> he's heard so much. He's like, I don't, I don't think anyone else needs to hear this. No, I think people, you know, I'm, I'm really interested when people are doing, you know, again, things that you never knew could be jobs. Yes, things you never knew could be jobs. Like, I... I didn't even have, like, so I work now for the state department and we have a cancer epidemiology and surveillance branch. Like, I guess I knew that states had health departments, but like, I had no idea what they did. Mm -hmm. And like now during COVID, of course, like with our, you know, in Texas, like our health department is leading the Texas response to COVID. And in high school, like, of course, we didn't have a pandemic to learn about all this, but, you know, I had no idea about that. I, I really had such a narrow sense of even possibilities for jobs. And I do wish I had taken, I, I had done a little bit more to, to learn more earlier, but at least, you know, somehow I got to where I am now and I more or less, I can't say I love my job. I mean, I, but I like it most of the time. And, and I think that's, for me, that's good enough. <laughs> That's more than majority of the world, I think. Yeah, I love the actual work. It's just like with any job, there are 50 people in the branch. Like, yep. there's going to be things you dislike. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But that's more like personnel issue and office politics as opposed to like the actual work. Um, music in high school. Favorite band? All right. So in high school, most of the bands I feel like are so basic that I liked. So... And I, I one of them, Matthews band page. I, I like, okay, so, okay. Uh, I'm going to wait to say that one because <laughs> that one was there. But so, the, so my, when I came in my freshman year and I said, we kind of hung out a little bit with the, the guys that were juniors that year. Um, they loved, I remember this so clearly, Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses. I didn't even know about those bands. 
So oh. I became obsessed, which sounds so terrible too. Like, oh, the boys liked it, so I liked it. But that is true. I mean, you get influenced by, you know, the people around you. And so- Especially if you're riding around in their car. Well, exactly. The boys with cars, if they're listening to Led Zeppelin, like bring on the Led Zeppelin. So I really was obsessed with Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses, Queen, like those bands, which, you know, to this day, I mean, I love if I hear something. I don't, you know, go out of my way and listen every day, but I will always have like the softest place in my heart for all those bands. Um, so that was kind of like freshman, sophomore year. And then when I think to like junior and senior year, oh, I feel like it's just so basic. So it was Dave Matthews band. I can picture like the crash, like album cover. Uh, I was at that concert, the, the vet, the Dave band concert. It's been talked about a few times. Um, and I think bands like, again, pretty, probably pretty common. I think I had Live and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, I think I loved Smashing Pumpkins. The, the one band that you didn't ask about middle school, but I don't think anyone's mentioned this, but this was like everything to me was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how many times I must have listened to that one. And I know, I remember, I can remember being at Lauren's house, a pool table, and we would have that one on and singing that, some of the awful songs, but, <laughs> well, sorry, if anyone still likes Alanis Morissette, I'm nothing against it, but I, that was middle school. That's the only band I can really remember. I've got, you know, I've still got, I think, like a tape cassette from the wall of like ironic and right. you gotta know. I've got like the single tapes with the, with the wall sticker on there. And yeah, yeah. Lance Morissette was, was huge. Everyone, yeah. that's, I can remember being in like Mr. in like Mr. Latrinko's tech ed class in middle school and draw, and like everyone just saying, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> like that's what everyone would just say all the time. That would be the punchline. And it's like not at all like the, the correct use of the word irony anyway, which is so funny. Of course, I had no idea about that. But yeah, it's, I'm like, no, it's just really terrible luck. Um, <laughs> but were there any other bands that you listened to that I didn't mention that were really important in your high school experience? Uh, you know, in high school, I think I was pretty into hip hop. Ray was, was, yeah, Ray was like, a, was big into rap. And so I was, I was pretty big into rap with him. And I was like the CD burner for for ray oh. so yeah ray ray would be like my yoda into you know onyx and dmx and you know the tupac putting out two albums in one year and biggie and and puff daddy and i remember like not even knowing you know ray was like the first one to show me like a cd case with like rap with like a rap cd case with like songs on the back and every song and rap songs back then had a feature and it was all f-e-a-t and i would go who is feet <laughs> who is this guy feet on every Puff Daddy song? Who is that? It's his feet. Very good. <laughs> it took me forever. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty much like hip hop. Um, but I did like, like, I used to watch TRL. You know, I had, a, I had an internet job um, on some days uh, where I worked in like a chat room. So I would come home after school if I wasn't at Wawa and I would log in and I would listen to, like, I would listen to Dr. Dre um, and Nas, Nostradamus album and the chronic 2001, but then I would like put on TRL. So I was big into like, you know, I remember when Backstreet Boys, everybody, when the everybody song, came, <laughs> I didn't know because I, I wasn't, I just didn't know like pop music wasn't like popular. I didn't know it wasn't cool. I didn't know there was a boy band thing going on. So I'm like, yo, you see these guys are doing like this Michael Jackson type of song. They're in like a haunted right. house. Yeah, and Ray's, <laughs> like, Ray's like, you listen to fucking Backstreet Boys, dude. <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, okay. It's not, not, all right, I'm done. I'm out on those. What have happened without him? <laughs> but I love TRL, man. I used to watch that. Like there was, mm-hmm. you know, me and like Justin Duffner and Sean Higgins. And we used to all talk about like Bloodhound Gang was was big. And um, was it Alien Ant Farm was, was <laughs> like. Gosh, it's all coming back. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course, like American Hi-Fi. I was like a big singles guy. Like whatever yes. was like a hit with a music video, I was I was always. Yeah, like, I mean, there's a reason it's a hit, right? It's good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you mentioned earlier that you didn't that you always kind of want to be a business woman. That was like your how you. Envis- well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say business. I think it was career. Like- career. Career. You wanted to have, right, that's what I meant. You wanted to have a career. No, I know. I did, yes, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wanted to have a career and and even like, you know, family wasn't necessarily a thing that you wanted to like do. You just kind of want to be, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think I thought for some time they were incompatible and perhaps that, and, and I, that's wrong. Um, I don't, obviously I don't agree with that, but it's for some time I did think it would not necessarily be incompatible, but it would just make everything that much harder and unfortunately like you know it's hard to do everything well right so i i think i always had this fear that okay if i focus on career and i could do this well but like if i also try to have a family like am i going to be like a kind of good mom but not great and a kind of good career person but not great and like i'm going to really struggle in that area and i know myself you know and i just it's like oh i don't want to run myself into the ground and so i think i i kind of sort of thought that for some period of time. Um, and I think that was easier for me too, just given like my whole twenties was really focused on, you know, academics and then the, you know, internship and then the fellowship. And it was all very intense, um, very demanding. And there, you know, in my twenties, like I didn't really date a ton. Like there's no one really that memorable. Like I did a little, but when I was in state college, I was really just focused on grad school. I know like so many people have wonderful experiences in state college. Um, for me as a grad student, it was just a bad fit. Like I was not happy there. It was, so I was like, okay, I'm getting out of here as quickly as possible. Like I'm more of a city person. I wanted more options. I'm not like a beer, pizza, football. Like I, I don't care at all about football. Actually, it's probably people are going to probably turn the podcast off now, but I just, and so that's so big there. And so I just didn't, it was so hard for me to find anything I was really interested in there. And I'm sure I could have done a better job, but instead I just got a job at a restaurant to work on the weekends, make extra money. And then did, you know, as everything I could to get out of there as quickly as possible. But, you know, so that didn't, dating was like not important to me there at all. It was like, oh, sure. If I run into someone, but I'm not going to like be actively seeking any type of relationship at this point. It's just not my priority. And then it kind of stayed that way for some period of time until like later in my twenties, I would say. When did you start? When did that change for you to like to start to actually build a family? I mean, you got married and and had a kid. So when did that all start? How did that change for you? Yeah, so I was finished with my internship and had started my fellowship, and I was up in Boston for a year. And that was the first year where I um, Boston was a great was a great city for me. I, I loved being in Boston, and I felt. You know, I think coming from being in state college, now I'm in Boston, and it was just a lot more opportunity and options for me to do things that I like doing and find people that had similar interests. Mm-hmm. And so I did start dating again there, and and then um, my now husband. So I had actually met him at Duke. We didn't date; we just knew one another. And but we had always stayed kind of friends. He had he actually did track. He was an 800 meter runner. He was two years ahead. 
And so I know I never thought I would date like another track person, but, uh, but he was mid distance. It's not the same. So anyway, uh, he is from Boston. He was living in Chicago, but he was coming back to Boston. That's where his parents are. And he, you know, I, he knew I was living there. So, and we had another couple of mutual friends from college that were there. So we all got together and we'd always had really good chemistry and banter, but you know, never dated. And so we really hit it off. And even though he was in Chicago and wasn't moving anytime soon, and I was in Boston, and I knew after that I was going to go to DC to kind of fill up, finish this fellowship, uh, we started dating. And um, and I guess just I mean we we were we dated for almost four years before we got married. I was I wasn't even sure I wanted to get married. He felt he was kind of similar. I mean it wasn't like oh we need to get married. We never had a wedding. We just did a courthouse thing. We told our families afterwards, which. I don't recommend. Um, no one appreciated. So anyway, in case anyone's wondering, just like give them a heads up. Um, anyway, but yeah, so he, you know, we, we did decide we did get married, but it was after four years of dating. And then it was after another four years of being married that we eventually had our daughter. So there it definitely wasn't like, as soon as I started dating him, I thought, okay, now I'm like totally changing course. I was still like, no, I'm still gonna like do my thing. And he was like that too, in a lot of ways. I mean, he, he wasn't pushing for marriage or family either. We were both just happy with one another, but we did a lot of our own things too. And we still had a lot of our own interests. And so it just, it, it was eventually once we were in Austin and it kind of seemed like, oh, I think I could actually manage this kid thing here. It seems reasonable. We had been in Chicago. I was there for about four years. We were living like the fifth floor of a walk up and, you know, we're just in the middle of Chicago with, you know, you know, the winters, it's like nine months long there. Just a kid didn't even cross my mind is like manageable. And then we're here in Austin, we love it here. And then, then we decided, oh, actually, maybe we do want this. And, and then of course, it's like the greatest thing, decision we could have ever made, but you now we have a daughter. Uh, and how old's your daughter then? Four? Uh, she just turned two last month. Oh, two. Okay. In, in July. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I have two more questions. Okay. One, and they're, they're fluff questions, but I have to ask favorite movie in high school. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're gonna ask the one question I answer. Okay, I thought you were giving yeah. me two questions. Yeah, and I'll ask you the last one. Cause... I you're gonna like test my memory. I was like, no, oh, no, 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 because I wanna set it up first before I ask it. <laughs> okay, favorite movie. I have like a habit of not giving one answer, huh? So <laughs> uh, probably there are like three. Trying to choose the one. Okay, so a league of their own. It was all time. I might have seen that one like fifty times. I loved that movie. I also loved um, Now and Then. It's like a coming of age. You know that one? Okay. Demi Moore, with Demi Moore and Rosie O'Donnell. It's Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Melanie Griffith. Oh my goodness! You know it? Yes. Yeah. It's I'm a film major. It's what I do. I watch movies. <laughs> I just loved that movie. I can't tell you how many times I watched it. Colleen had it on VHS. I remember that. I think I had a league of their own. So that's what I brought to the table. Um, and then, but I also loved Clueless. I think that was high school, right? I loved Clueless. I mean, that's just like the most ordinary basic answer ever, but I loved that movie. It was so fun. Yeah. It's that, I mean, that's an epic, you know, our generation, um, yeah. you know, and I, and I feel like it was right before it came out, like right before I got my driver's license. It was like, as that it was about to happen. So I always remember that driving, like I was scared to death about driving. I'm like, Oh my God, do, is it that scary getting on the highway? <laughs> that is so funny. Gosh, I remember that scene. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say probably in that order too. So I gave you three, but they're kind of ranked. So hopefully That's you can good. accept it. 
That's a pretty good list. Um, What's your favorite movie? Have you said it yet on this podcast? My favorite movie? I don't know if I've ever said it, and I don't know if I have. Man, that's tough. I would say my favorite movie of all time is Tin Cup, which is like 1996. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was, that's probably my favorite movie, but I don't know if that was my favorite movie in high school or not. Or if that was just like... I, it, it, things blur, because there were a couple of movies from the 90s that I watched in college that are like now some of my favorites. But I'm like, I don't think I watched that in high school, so I can't count it. My last question for you, and I can't believe I didn't ask this when we were talking about it, but you know, I feel like you might be the best person to ask this because you dated you know, a very popular guy. I'm obsessed with what do people do when they date in high school. The only thing we've been able to get so far is like movies, like you go to the movies. What do you, cause that was always my like, where would I take a girl? What do I do? Again, on my Wawa hourly wage, what could I afford? Where would I take a girl? I had no idea what you do. What do you yeah. do? All right, I, it depends on where you are in the stage of that relationship, right? So initially you might start going out with someone but you might you might still just be hanging out in groups and you're in that group setting hanging out and that's very common especially like the earlier years of high school there's a lot of just the group setting and then you would pair off or whatever it was um and then there's and then once you know you're going out especially as you're a little bit older you would be hanging out in someone's basement yeah so and then we'd go in my basement watch movies and it's funny too because one time my youngest brother had this little like crawl through space. He was hiding down there while we were like hanging out in the basement. Um, and then just like popped out. <laughs> I don't know how long we're already witnessed. I, I think we were probably just honestly watching a movie, but we're talking, um, hopefully he <laughs> was traumatized. <laughs> no, his high school is pretty decent. Um, but there were some times, so I think we did go to a couple of restaurants. There was a place, I think I want to say Arpeggio. No, no, I can't remember the name of it. There is a, yeah. No, I feel like that might not be it. I mean, I haven't been back or I haven't, you know, really been to restaurants in the area for a long time, but there was a restaurant. Okay. It was, was there was an Italian restaurant that was in like Springhouse area. San Marcos? Hmm. It's not ringing a bell, but it was a BYOB too. What? I think Arpeggio's. Yeah, Arpeggio's. Maybe it was Arpeggio's. So we did go to restaurants some and then, you know, the group settings and then my basement. Yeah. That's see. So I didn't have a basement. I know. So this is, this is why you didn't date. You just, my friends. Yeah. My friends didn't have, my friends didn't date either. So there was no like group hangout. It would have just been like, I remember when Ray was like dating and then like maybe Scott was dating. It'd be like one guy would have a girlfriend and then the other two friends would just be around or like, you know, I hung out with Josh, with Josh Taylor and Alyssa Maley and Josh and Alyssa were together. And like, we'd hang out at Alyssa's house, me, Josh, Ray, Scott, like Tony, like we would all hang out at Alyssa's but yeah. she was Josh's girlfriend, like, you know. She was well, we had a lot of that, too. Like, there was a lot of that where cause Colleen and Dan were dating most of a lot of high school. And Dan was one of the houses where he always had people over. And so there would be plenty of times, I'm sure, it was even just the three of us. Okay. Like, if Colleen, I was like, Dan, you're just going to deal with it. Like, I'm coming, too. Because um, Colleen and I worked together at our at the, we, like, would move jobs together. <laughs> so we were at Bluebell Inn. So then I, you know, after we would be finished working. I remember we would have like 35 cents. That's how much it costs to make a pay, you know, a, a call on a payphone. Mm-hmm. We'd have that and be like, okay, we have 35 cents. Who do we want to call and see what they're doing? And, you know, maybe you head over to Dan's or something like that. But, um, yeah, I think that was, that was pretty common too, where it was, 
you know, one you the one person is dating someone and then there are a bunch of other friends there too. Yeah. Um, all right. That answers like, you know, I feel like you're, you're the most equipped to, to answer that question as far as what was dating like and, and in the high school realm. Um, yeah. Nice. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have done any of those things. And I never went to like arpeggios or I never went to like, I would go to places like, I, hope it, I think someone's going to fact check me. Maybe it'll be, who knows? I'm going to get some type of like message about like, you know, that didn't exist in, so you were lying. But so I, I'm just putting it out there that it was an Italian restaurant near Columbus. I don't know what that's called. But yes, exactly. It was, so that was a, occasionally what we would do. So, you know, then, you know, I, I feel like I'm not even like, that's so far below what I like to do. So like in my head, I thought it was so much, I thought it was so much grander. That what kind of kids did you think people were doing? I didn't know, you know, I didn't, I, you know, going away on vacations and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like, um, or, or going to like expensive dinners and, you know, uh, I see. you know, where you, yeah. like in 90210, Dylan and Brandon would wear blazers and go to like these fine dining restaurants and, Dylan would drink at, you know, at these at 17. Right. Alcoholic. So, you know, like that in my head, it was like, oh my God, like I need like $150 to, right. to and even now you don't need to do that with day, like, you know, a nice restaurant, nice date is not, is not that. So my head was so warped as far as like how, what you had to do. And I thought that was the expectation. No, what you needed to do was have a basement. And that's the reason the dating didn't work out, right? In high school. You shouldn't have one. Yeah, you can't blame yourself. It's a construction. It's a construction, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I do have one more question because it kind of leads to that in that it is, you know, it's weird that during this time, everyone's being able to use this pod, use the podcast to like reconnect, especially when we're all so kind of isolated from the public. But it is such a shame that it's happening right now because if the pandemic wasn't happening, everyone would be super, super prime for a 20 for a year reunion. Oh, I'm, oh, it, yes. Yeah. So, okay. This is the thing. I, where are we at? I have so much guilt, but the, I, I have so much guilt that I have done a terrible job of being an officer, but it's okay. I hope people like a redemption story because we are, I'm going to do all that I can. Although, you know, it doesn't need to be me, but I want to make sure that like, I at least do my part uh, when I became an officer <laughs> senior year to help make reunions happen. And I think even if, you know, we don't know, I, anyone who tries to predict anything pretty much is foolish because we just don't know. We've never experienced this before. So we don't know when things are really going to, you hear all sorts of things and predictions and we'll see when, you know, what happens. But anyway, so I'm not sure when where it's going to be safe to travel and, and convene in large groups, but when it is, um, Absolutely. I feel that we can even start now getting some things in motion and just maybe just getting all the contacts together and getting some sort of central platform for that um, to happen. But I'm, I'm committed and I will absolutely be there. The 10 year, um, the species, Kyle Spies was another officer and he and his and Steph Spies, um, they put it all together. And I think we had had a conference call or two and maybe contributed ideas, but I did very little. Um, and I apologize for that. And I'm sorry, Kyle, if you're listening, I did, and Stephanie, I think you guys did everything. Um, but I really, I think this has really, um, been a, a good reason to, to get that happening. I mean, it should have happened anyway, but this is really bringing it all together. All right. The year. So what about the yearbook? This is the yearbook. So I just want to make sure that we hit all your things. You got cross country, indoor track, spring track, key club, health careers. What is that? I, I, you know, I wish I had taken it more seriously. Um, 
I guess it was a club to get together and, and learn about potential health careers. Um, I can't remember what I learned, but I uh, wasn't it. AIDS peer educator. Oh, yes, I was. I was really into that. I remember that. Yeah, we would go to other classes like we, I think as juniors and seniors, maybe I could be getting this wrong. We would go to like the freshman and sophomore classes and talk to them about how to prevent the spread of AIDS and getting AIDS, um, which seems like it would be so awkward and uncomfortable. And it probably was. But I also remember it fondly, so I have no idea. Is this like what Leslie talked about? Or yep. It was what Leslie talked teaching about. Teaching younger kids how to how to put condoms on. Yes, exactly. We had we had to do demonstrations. Yeah, she said probably awkward for them, but she loved it. Yeah. You know, I guess you know, Leslie, I'm gonna reach out to you. We can talk about this because that's how I feel, which I don't know what that says about me, but I don't remember it being awkward for me, but I'm sure it was like mortifying for the kids in the class. Um Students Against Drunk Driving. I'm still for that. <laughs> Junior College problem. Committee, National Honor Society. That's it. Yeah. And uh, your quote, always say what you want to be, who you are, because, or always say who you want to be, who you are, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Yes. Okay. Always say what you, okay. Yes. Um, I read that. So when I got the yearbook, I was reminded that is what I chose. Um, it is horribly naive, right? I, I understand why that would be an attractive thing to choose. But like, if you lived by that, your life would be really hard. Like that's not, I mean, I understand in, I, I understand probably like the appeal of that quote is all I'm going to say. But in terms of it being something to live by, I would not recommend that. Not if you want to, you can't just go around saying, you, yeah, there's a little bit of skill there. You can't just say exactly what you want, whenever you want. Yeah, it kind of paints yourself into a corner. Yeah, sure. Um, and then Kyle, Brooke, and Chris are the, uh, are the names. And then uh, you are, tr who's Chris? Chrissy Krause. Oh, okay. No. Um, and then you are truly the greatest, A.R., Oh, I, that's Elena Rosenfeld. So wow. she did cross country. We were really close. We did cross country together. Yeah, I think she, yeah, I, I think she was, she still was running marathons most recently before. Probably. I I've lost, I've lost touch with her and this is making me want to reach out. But yeah, she was a close friend uh, through cross country, especially. I ran into her here in the city like a couple years ago at a street festival. I think she lives somewhere around here. Oh, okay. Uh, K.A. Karen Applebaum. Oh, there you, there you go. MF. Oh, I know this one. Uh, do you want to, we can flip it. I'm going to make you guess. Cause I know, I know, I did look at this, so I'm cheating. I know that I remember. MF. Married, Mary, Molly Foose. There you go. See, you have a way. K-E. Chris. <laughs> Take the R away. Oh, Katie Evelyn. There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Boy, you're just friends with all my crushes, Paige. Just... I know. I've heard that. I, I know. I should, we should have been friends. I could have hooked you up. LB. Um, I mentioned her. She was in all my classes. That's not why we were the only reason we were friends, but. Uh... You mentioned her? Mm-hmm. She was a big uh, field hockey and lacrosse star. Why can't I think of this? I don't know. Who, who was it? I can't think of this. Lizzie Black. Oh my gosh. 
speaking is really painful and awkward for everyone listening and I apologize, <laughs> but it's really fun for me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I love the name game. AP <laughs> is- Oh, one of your other crushes. I really was friends with all your crushes. Oh, Ann Patterson. Yep, there you go. Uh, shout out to Ann. She told me she listened to an episode. Oh, go Ann. We're making strides. P.S. <laughs> oh, you're not going to get that. You have got to, apparently I, I listed a, a few of my uh, male friends. Oh, so this is a guy. Yeah, I, I didn't think, if I didn't give you that tip, I feel like you might not have gotten there. In, in, uh, in our class, P.S. Smith. Uh, Sullivan. <laughs> Uh, Pete Stampone. Pete Stampone. I was about to get there. I was about to say Pete Sullivan. I'm like, oh, Pete Stampone. I'm like thinking of the listeners, and I'm like, how much, how long can I let this go on? DC. These, this is a guy? Yes. Uh, Dan Cassidy. Yep. CL. Chris. I can't think of any other C's besides a Chris. So he won the same superlative I won. Oh, most likely to succeed. Oh, Corey Leshner. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the unforgettable memories. It's funny is that my memory is so bad. <laughs> like I think some of them I guess work. Oh goodness, look at the hair. Yeah, the hair, man. It's like. It's something. It is something. This is, it's funny. Um, this is how I remember you with the hair. This so did this shock you? Were you like, who am I talking to? No, because I feel like, I feel like you girls w- would occasionally have like the straight hair days. Like I talked about this with Alicia and I think I talked about it with like Holly. And I remember like some other girls would occasionally have the days where it would be straight and you'd go like, oh wow, that's, you look like a totally different person. Right. Yep. Keeping it interesting. <laughs> well, this has been like a really interesting talk. Like I could probably talk to you for like another, another three hours, but we can continue to talk, you know, offline, whatever. Oh, we are going to, I have questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, no, this has been great. I've really enjoyed it. And I am sorry that I, you know, it was difficult with the scheduling. I just wanted to make sure it could be fully present, not worried about, you know, other responsibilities at the time and that sort of thing. No, you were not, you were not difficult in any way. Like, you were, well, and I needed to get the yearbook. That was the whole thing, too. See, I'm glad you were able to, like, give yourself a refresher. Exactly. I needed to. It would have been terrible. You would have read all those initials, and it would have been just... I mean, I think when I saw them, I did remember, but I was surprised. I was a little bit surprised that I listed the three guys. I'm like, okay, that's good. But I, you know what, Brett? I think there were conversations about it, because this is... Of course, I was looking back now that I have the yearbook, and I'm like, there's a lot of consistency, like... I only listed people that listed me. So I feel like there were conversations to make sure like I'll list you, but you have to list me. I don't know this for a fact. I can't remember the conversation. It's just suspicious. See, that was my whole thing about the, I looked at the yearbook as such this, as such a big thing, I think, cause it's like, who are you going to put in the yearbook? You don't want to put someone in there. If they're not going to put you back, you don't want to claim someone's your friend. And then you look at the person and they are like, nah, I wasn't, that, that wasn't my friend. I didn't put their initial. So that was like such a huge thing. Yeah. And that goes to me being afraid to get people to sign it. Right. You no, know, I'm no, afraid I'm, I'm going to ask someone and they're going to say, why would I want, why would I want to sign your yearbook? Oh, right. you're right. I won't ask. So I will need an opportunity to sign your yearbook, huh? I know. Well, you know, I'm, I want to try and travel to, that'll be maybe the, that'll be like part two of this, you know, once, once this is all up, I want to be able to see everyone 
Maybe it yeah. happens at the reunion, but we'll get everyone to sign eventually in this book. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Paige. I had a great time. Yeah, this is really great. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right. That was Paige Miller. We touched on a lot of different aspects. And one of the things that was different was hearing Paige talk about her experience being in the popular crowd and feeling like she wasn't accepted by everyone in the group at all times. And that's something that I don't think that I've really been able to talk about with other people where not everyone thinks alike, even if there's this popular crowd or cool kid crew that I, I talk about often. Um, there's real life going on inside of there and not everyone is cool with everybody and people have issues and people may brush up against each other and their lives may intersect in ways that uh, are, are conflicting. And so um, it was very, I don't know, I don't want to say refreshing, but um, a good reminder that while I do love to talk to people about being the cool kids and how fun was it and how awesome was it, um, there's real things happening. And no matter who your group of friends are, much like other people have talked about their troubles, everyone is going through things on their own. And so Paige, you know, just talking about the feeling of going to a party and feeling like, oh, maybe, you know, that person doesn't, <laughs> these people don't want me here actually, uh, was pretty interesting. And, and again, a good reminder. I was also really surprised to hear about Paige's college career. I think the expectation is just that, you know, you've got it figured out. And it's cool to hear that Paige really didn't have it figured out and that she had to ask for help and guidance on where to go next in the future. And I think that's a great lesson for everyone that no matter how zoned in or how plugged in you might feel, we can all use a little help, a little guidance. And there's other people out there that might know things a little bit better than ourselves, especially at such a young age that it's a it's a great reminder that it's OK to admit that you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going or you maybe took a wrong turn and you need help find your way back on a path that suits your career goals. I think that's something I take for granted that I never knew exactly what my exact path was. I assume that everyone else had it easier. But again, a great learning lesson that a lot of people need time to figure it out. I don't know if I felt pressure to figure it out back then. I just knew I didn't have it figured out and it seemed like everyone else did. But clearly it wasn't as solid for everyone as I thought it always was. I look forward to hopefully getting some plans for the 20 year reunion. I know it's so up in the air right now with travel and, and group restrictions, but we've got the rest of the year and anything I can do to help Paige or the rest of the class get this thing going, um, you know, I'm in. Check out the YouTube, youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Join the Facebook page at WWFNHS and follow the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. In two weeks, my guest will be Will Laval. Will actually requested a transfer into Wizzahickon halfway through his high school career because he was looking for something a little bit different. We'll talk about where he was and what he felt once he finally came to Wizzahickon. Was it what he was looking for? I'm always interested in the new guy aspect, how that dynamic kind of happens where you come into the school and click with people. So that will be in two weeks on Monday morning. Until then, I hope everyone stay safe. Later.